ladies and gentlemen, Thomas the Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, The Milk Car. What's going on, brother? How's everything going? I'm doing well, David, but not as good as you. The Don Dada, the CEO, the founder, <laughs> the pioneer of all of this shit, Don David Duenas. Give it up, man. Ah, look at that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Talk about a good picker up there. I was already thinking, okay. I should have got a cup of coffee or something else. Because I feel all drained right now. But then right now with the big cheer, that just added, that just got my spirits lifted up for us to talk some boxing here. Even though there's a lot of stuff here on Leaving the Ring today uh, to talk on. Hey, really quick, guys, hit the like button if you're just tuning in. If it's your first time here with us on Leaving the Ring, I uh, hope you enjoy the ride with myself in a milk car. Uh, don't forget to hit that notification bell so you know when we go on live. It lets you know so you can come through, join us in the chat room. You can always call a number two if you want to talk with some boxing or just want to add on to what we're talking about here on the show. You certainly can at 917-426-8296. I think I got that right. I'm not sure. I'm still remembering so, that now. Let's actually do that in like 10 minutes, Dave, because I, I actually, shoot, I got to set that up. But I'll, I'll, I'll get it started so that in about 10, 15 minutes we can take some calls. Yeah, no worries about that. Because anyways, we got a lot of stuff here to discuss yeah. uh, should we go with the here's our schedule guys okay uh, we're gonna talk about last week's fights we're gonna talk about this upcoming week's fights uh, we're definitely gonna have some uh, quick takes about certain fighters that just happened to fight this weekend uh, and also we're gonna play I'm not gonna actually we're not gonna play but we're gonna look into the future of what's going on in the sport okay uh, a couple of weeks will be the new year. So there is a lot of stuff to look forward for. I will answer some questions that we've been getting a lot here on the Leaving Ring Gmail. One is, are we going to do an award show? Um, we are going to do one. I haven't discussed this with the real car, but I don't think we're going to do it for this month of December. And I'll tell you why a little later in the show. I think it should be held off until the first week of January. Because if you really I think agree. about it, the fights are not done and over with until the end of December. Right, Milkar? Yeah, I agree. And as everyone knows who's a fan of the sport like we are, the big New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve shows in Japan take place literally at the last day of the year. So we always want to give every fighter, regardless of if he's in the United States or somewhere else, the opportunity to get consideration for these very prestigious Leave It at a Ring awards, which I know every fighter wants to receive, right, David? Yeah, Something yeah. Than the Leave It Award. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if I told you about this, but I'm actually having some like prototypes of a Leave It a Ring uh, belt, you know, so that they oh, can all fight wow. for over. Yeah, yeah. Might as well actually. I mean, there's the diamond belt. There's the uh, Instagram uh, uh, belt. There's the Twitter belt. Why not the Leave It a Ring belt? That actually sounds more official uh, if you really think about it. The Leave It a Ring belt, right? Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> all right, fam. Let's see. Should we go with the uh, you want to go with the preview or should we go with the review of what happened uh, last week? Why don't we go with the review first and then we'll jump into the schedule because we have a lot to talk about. But, you know, it's fair to, to go with the review first. I think a lot of people probably want to hear that. 
I think so too. You know, since there was a lot of stuff did happen uh, this uh, past Saturday, uh, which was a pretty mm-hmm. stack stack Saturday for us fight fans. What do you think, man? I was enjoying every little bit of it. You know, not all the fights were stellar fights or worth keeping your eyes open. But you know what? I mean, starting from early on in the morning of Saturday, uh, it was like waking up to Saturday cartoons, right? Yeah, and I I know what my favorite fight of the night was, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. A mill car? What they do? What they? What they? Oh, so. <laughs> uh, Bruce goes. Uh, what's up, wild card? What's up, raw boxy? What's up, Bruce goes? He had spelled your name uh, uh, some weird way there, man. You can see it right there in the bottom of the square <laughs> the screen. Uh oh. Maybe I can update that. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's go first with AJ and Pulov. Right. Uh, let's go with AJ and Pulov, man. Um, I did my my take about it immediately after the fight, uh, after uh, Anthony Joshua got the win o- over Pulov. Didn't get to hear your thoughts because you were uh, busy on a road trip visiting some family members and stuff. So let's go with you, man. What did you yep. think about that fight? Well, uh, I was actually, I thought it was entertaining. It was actually a lot more entertaining than I thought it was. You know, I was talking a lot of last week about Huggy Bear and how I felt that Anthony Joshua That's was doing right. a lot of hugging in the fight. You know, I felt he still did do a lot of hugging. And I still don't think Joshua was very comfortable doing a couple of things. One being fighting on the inside mm-hmm. and the other being uh, kind of, uh, let's just say, extending himself to the limits in terms of his kind of aerobic capacity in the moment so you know he gets a guy hurt and he always now since the Klesko fight seems to have that hesitancy about giving it his all it could be a concern about his his cardiorespiratory endurance later on in the fights it could be his concern about getting countered like he was against Andy Ruiz but you always get the that when he gets someone hurt that he kind of holds back a little bit um and i definitely felt that happen in kind of the third and fourth round in this fight but what cannot be denied is that he ended the fight spectacularly with that uh one punch ko after uh pulev got up um quite surprisingly got up actually after being knocked down i i do still think that he did a lot of hugging in the fight uh far too much hugging Um, But like I said in my preview of the fight, Pulev's game isn't the inside and his game isn't, you know, quick combinations on the inside. His game is is working off that excellent jab that he has and using kind of that amateur background. Unfortunately Mm -hmm. for him, Joshua controls the middle to long distance range against most of his opponents. And this fight was no exception to that. Um, So for that reason, he, he... he dominated the fight essentially from the mid and long range, and it really wasn't much Pulev uh, could do because he's not an inside fighter. What about you, Dave? You know, I liked what he did, and I, I like I said, I mentioned this on Saturday. I liked the fact that he was jabbing to the midsection, uh, solar plex of Pulev, which would keep him standoffish, or even if if at any moment it went through his you know his head of saying I need to close that distance, this certainly made him hesitant. To do that, okay, uh, that punch there, especially when it's done correct, and you saw that Anthony Joshua was doing it. He was sticking it straight down that middle. Uh, he was taking that, you know, uh, you know, extra step 
that you need to to get low so that your shoulders protecting your chin and it would push pull of back okay i like i like what i saw there you know <clears throat> you, you know the thing is though i still think that aj is still trying to find his pace okay um i saw a lot of people were being very critical of him on twitter i thought it was actually pull was the right opponent because he you know Pull up if when he get given the chance, he was gonna throw his right hand, he was gonna throw his you know, you know, let some big punches go, but it wasn't gonna be like a consistent rush, you know, it wasn't gonna be a pace the, the way you saw Andy Ruiz challenge uh Anthony Joshua. But to me, this was a good way for him to regulate how his legs, how he felt, his breathing. But is it ready? Is it does it make him ready for like an uh, you know, uh, a Tyson Fury? Or a Parker, or even possibly an Usyk. I don't think it does, and those are all much younger men. You know, I, I'm a phys ed teacher. <laughs> I've got a, a master's in phys ed, but I don't really need one to tell you what happens to the human body, especially the male human body, as you age and as right. you enter your late thirties. I mean, I'm in my late late thirties now. I'm not what I was physically, athletically. Uh, when I was in my early 30s or when I was in my mid-20s or when I was in my early 20s. It's just not the case. And let's face facts. Pulev was not just a 39-year-old with 39-year-old legs and 39-year-old tread on those tires. Right. He's also a guy who was very inactive for the last few years, you know, and who hadn't been facing the kind of opposition or have, who has had the, the necessary preparation at least in the ring in competition for taking on an Anthony Joshua so it was it was beautiful matchmaking in this case it wasn't matchmaking by Joshua's people but I would say it was matchmaking by the IBF it was the IBF that ordered right. this fight right yeah it was you, you know for a better opponent for Anthony Joshua an old uh 39 year old with who was inactive whose right. best years were beyond beyond them who cannot do the kind of things that trouble Anthony Joshua. That being inside fighting and crisp, sharp combinations, the kind that were thrown by Andy Ruiz. You know, I thought Pulov was the right opponent just for like, like all the things that you just mentioned right now. Um, he was a durable guy. We knew, we knew that he could take punishment and given the chance, he was going to deliver punishment back, okay? What what I had said on last week's show was that we needed to see a little something from AJ in saying that he wasn't afraid to go in the fire for a short bit, okay? I thought that third round was much, much needed. It almost brought everybody back on their feet to go like, this is the guy that we thought was going to be the undisputed champion. This is what we were looking at. This is what we fell in love. This is what we imagined, okay? We needed that. But I think what people were thinking after that third round, you know, he stepped off the gas pedal and he backed off a bit. That was a huge criticism from a lot of fight fans and a lot of media folks that I was seeing on social media during the fight. A milk car, though. But what I was thinking was it was a smart move. I thought that was a smart, intelligent Anthony Joshua because he was like, I don't want to revisit Andy Ruiz again, which is 
uh, release, uh, uh, you know, throw out all my load, and then I have nothing in the tank to keep the, to keep me in the fight. So I thought it was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful way of reminding himself, hey, it's still early. This guy's still dangerous. He still has a big punch. To me, it's starting to show his development of of, of a boxing IQ, and his. And, and, and that is also more of a student of the game. He's understanding the game. You can't blow everybody out. Even when they look vulnerable or hurt, you have to understand that this is the heavyweight game. Any punch can change the momentum. Yes, this is true. However, I'm still convinced that he needs to get a new trainer. Uh, I'm still seeing things. I'm seeing holes in his defense. I'm seeing uh, a jab that needs improvement. And I'm seeing openings for counter. counters that a 39-year-old Pulev could not take advantage of, but counters that I believe even an Usyk would be able to capitalize on, and a, definitely a Tyson Fury. And I'm specifically speaking, if you look at the fight, you're, you're seeing it at times in the highlights we're showing. Right. Uh, he's wide open after throwing the jab. You know, and when he goes in kind of... Uh, recklessly with either the kind of roundhouse right or the uppercut that he throws. Again, he's wide open for counters. Unfortunately for Pulev, he just didn't have the skill set to, to capitalize on that. Um, well, he but loads are... up a lot. He really does yeah, he load does. up a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, when he yeah. cocks that right hand, he's really cocking it from here. You could see when he's here. You know, when it should really just be down that pipe, okay? The shorter they are, the more, the quicker they're going to land. And it's really like those those punches, like they say, those punches that you don't see hurt the most and stuff, you know? So, a lot of ways, Anthony Joshua has always kind of telegraphed his punches. That's something he's got to fix. Something definitely he can't do against like an Usyk or a uh, Tyson Fury, okay? Um, and guys in the chat room, they're asking questions. We're going to answer them right now because obviously that is a topic that we want to talk about here about Tyson, uh, you know, that involves Tyson Fury, AJ, and Usyk and stuff. But, um, you know, again, I go back. I, I think this is just a, a major learning curve for um, Anthony Joshua. And Pulev, in so many ways, was the perfect guy for him to build that confidence, you know? And I always said this, that that a lot of promoters, a lot of times, like to throw their fighters in with the Lions a little too early. And even after a loss, uh, people expect for some reason for them to be rushed right back into the big stage. To me, it's always a stepping stone. You know, it's supposed to be a mark, a, a check mark on the chalk bo uh, bo board, excuse me, on the chalkboard uh, when fighters lose or if they're, you know, trying to move up that ladder. So this one, to me, was a good, good move for AJ. Um, talking about his trainer, I don't know, man. I think that the trainer had some good things there to show him, and I think it really depends on the fighter himself, uh, you know, to to either implicate what the, what the trainer's telling him or not, you know. And right now, I see the trainer's telling him the right things. It's now just up to AJ athletically, you know, to kind of uh, uh, incorporate it with his boxing skills, with that athleticism, I mean. I mean. Yeah, I guess it's just an issue of execution and kind of kinesthetic intelligence then. I mean, again, I just see things that I I would rather not see. Look how we just threw the jab in that highlight. I mean, he throws it out and he doesn't bring it back. Bring it back, no. And he drops it to his hip. He, tried, he just did it just now in the highlight yeah. you're showing. He's throwing the jab and he's dropping it back to his hip. Yep. Like, Kulev is not countering that with a right hand, but I guarantee you Tyson Fury will. 
Yeah, and that's just a habit that they got to fix. And, you know, some folks are like, well, how do you fix it? You know, there are certain ways of, of, of fixing it. right there for the, for the left hook. Yeah. I mean, they're right there. Every time he throws the uppercut. You know, I mean, the fact is, Pulev was allowing him to throw three uppercuts in a row. I mean, I've never seen such a thing. Uh, just, just standing there and taking three straight uppercut, like you're well, showing it right now. That that shows you that Pulev, uh, his reflex were, were no longer there. They were shot, okay. And you know, it just it's a wear and tear in that ring because every time here's a, here, and, and this was the when you talk about matchmaking, like you were mentioning right now, this, that's the beauty of yeah. of what a good matchmaker would do is uh, they would say. Um, uh, we need a guy that's not. It's going to be responsive, but not too responsive, and a guy that's going to make my fighter look good. Pulev did all of that, okay? Because I was even saying through social media on Twitter, you know, that Pulev had no no. His reflex was shot. He couldn't do this with like a Tyson Fury. He couldn't do this with somebody that had live feet. No. And like I said, I I, I struggle to see. Even in Usyk, I don't know why I'm saying even in Usyk, the guy's an Olympic gold medalist mm-hmm. and an undisputed champion. But, I mean, Usyk's not just going to stand there and take three straight uppercuts. No. You know, Usyk's not just going to stand flat-footed and allow a guy to throw a jab and bring it back to his waist and, and, and not counter him. And Usyk is going to be moving around and is going to be uh, on, his, on his toes, as will a Tyson Fury. Uh, look, yes. I don't want to take anything away from, from AJ for what he did. You know, he put away Pulev. That's something that a lot of people uh, would not be able to do. But did I see a guy that I have confidence will defeat uh, a Fury? I, I did not see that on Saturday night. Hmm. I, I did not. In fact... But don't you think this is a... a it, uh, I mean, at least you saw something that he's on the right path you know, the confidence is there. He needed a knockout. He needed rounds. And he also felt he needed to feel kind of dominant, not just for himself, but for the crowd, his fans that showed up, that were there. Um, you can obviously see see that he loved the crowd. You know, he bathed in it. You know, the cheers and I'm them. Right now, I'm going to blow up the chat. Go okay. ahead. I do not know if... what. The, the Tyson, sorry, the, I do not know if the Anthony Joshua we saw Saturday mm-hmm. beat, beats, and I'm going to say this <laughs> again, I'm about to blow up the chat. I don't know if the Anthony Joshua I saw Saturday beats the Joe Joyce we saw a few weeks ago. I, I don't know that. In fact, what? In fact, what? The, the Joe Joyce that I saw on a few weeks ago would have been eating those punches that 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 were dropping. Do me a favor, please. Get out of here. Get out of here, man. <laughs> Shit, I'm saying. Do me a favor, please. <laughs> okay. That jab, that jab that Joe Joyce was throwing a few weeks ago was a solid jab. Causing, yeah, very solid jab. Would have been causing Joshua a whole heap of trouble. I'm just saying that. I don't know though, because here's the thing that. Though the criticism that you're throwing out about Anthony Joshua right now, he's he was more mobile. He is more mobile than uh, uh, you know uh, than Daniel Daniel Dubois. I mean, Daniel just kept coming forward like he had no head movement. He had no answer for that jab. I got to give a little bit more credit to Anthony Joshua here. I think that he would you know be able if that's the only weapon you're going to bring to him. I think he solves it. 
Yeah, That's look, just my opinion. I didn't, say, I didn't say he beat him. I want to be clear. Okay. I didn't say he beat him. I said that I don't know that he beat him. And for me to say that four weeks ago, I would have called myself crazy. Four weeks ago, I would have called myself crazy for saying that. That to say that it would have been a competitive fight between Joshua, Joshua and Joyce, I now see Joshua and Joyce as a competitive fight. Nato, just Nato, saying. just put out in the, in, the, in the chat room. He said, "Shit, take a milk car's microphone away." Hey, Nato, when he said that, it was <laughs> it was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I don't know. I I hope that fight. Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see it. You know, but Bro. this. I mean, sign me up for that, but I'm obviously sign me up for AJ Fury first. Well, let's talk about this, okay? Immediately after the fight, Bob Arum uh, got on his uh, Twitter, and uh, I don't even know if it's really Bob Arum that's tweeting. They say it is, uh, but he said, it looks like the stage is set up for the biggest heavyweight championship fight since Ali Frazier in 1971 when Tyson Fury meets Anthony Joshua for the undisputed crown. We had top rank. We'll start on Monday. I heard and I saw that Steve Kim tweeted out, tweeted out. He spoke to Bob Arum and that Bob said that they already are in negotiations and they're throwing numbers at each other for this fight to happen. But here's the thing, though, Milkar. You know, uh, AJ has a mandatory, which is Usyk. And Usyk has already been yeah. very vocal about it, saying, I will not take step aside money. So what does Anthony Joshua do? Does he drop that title? And does it matter much if he drops it? Let me tell you what he does. He goes back. He goes on the YouTube. He types in Riddick Bowe WBC belt. And he does to the WBO belt what Riddick Bowe did to the WBC belt. To me, the WBO has always been a joke anyways. <sighs> I mean, I barely rate the WBA at this point, And the WBO is an offshoot of the WBA. It's like, you know, the WBO's you know, a uh, son that was disowned and like went off on his own to do his own stuff. I, I don't really, I don't really care if uh, Joshua has to drop the WBO title. It's still going to be the undisputed title. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Lennox Lewis did not need to defeat Herbie Hyde to become the undisputed champion of the world. Herbie yes. Hyde was the WBO champion. Lennox Lewis became WBA, uh, WBO, and I, uh, IBF champion, undisputed champion, when he beat Evander Holyfield in the rematch of a fight that should have never even had a rematch because he fucking beat him the first time, but was robbed. Okay. Uh, let's just get rid of the WBO. Okay, I'm canceling the WBO. I don't need the WBO. I don't rate the WBO. Well, you got you to cancel that. You got to cancel that because the leaving the ring title is going to be on the line as well. Um. Max, <laughs> I, the other thing I never have understood is why the fuck does Anthony Joshua pay sanctioning fees to the IBO? Who rates that title? I don't even I know. Mean, but you know what? Fighters, fighters, fighters like their titles, man. Here's a, right, so you let's, know. Let's give, out the, let's give out the LIITR title then. Yeah. Or L I T R, sorry. Start making some bread. <laughs> exactly. Here goes. Well, immediately after that fight with Anthony Joshua getting that win over Pulov, which was a sanctional stoppage by him. Uh, this is what, what Tyson Fury had said. Anthony Joshua just shit himself live on television. He got asked, did he want the fight? 
and he went around the bushes and put his ass in the edge. I want the fight. I want the fight next. I'll knock him out inside three rounds. He's a big bum dosser. Can't wait to knock him out. Well, there you go, everyone. Anthony Joshua just shitting. Well, that's what he had to say on his uh, Instagram immediately after Anthony Joshua got that win. And, uh, you know, he's showing he wants that fight. And I think he sees exactly what a lot of us are seeing, that uh, Anthony Joshua, is it is it more smoke and mirrors with Anthony Joshua right now? Or do you believe that he's on the right track back of possibly I mean, making it? They, Go ahead. To me, they, the weirdest thing was after the fight when it's like uh, Joshua wouldn't even say the man's name. It's like, do you want the fight, bro? Or like, do you not want the fight? Like, what's with the little, you know, cutie pie you know, I, I want the I want what the fans want. Um, you know, I'm I'm the best version of Anthony Joshua. What do you guys want? I'm not the journalist. You ask the question. That's your job. No, right. like we want to see you fight Fury. The whole world of boxing wants to see you fight Fury. Stop being cute about it. Unless you <laughs> right, fight. right. Yeah, I want the fight. You want the fight, right, Dave? Oh yeah. Right, I'm, I'm, guess, I'm guessing that, that all the people in the chat want the fight. I'm guessing Nando wants to fight. D-Funky wants to fight. No Powell, Bruce. I'm guessing we all want the fight. Why doesn't Anthony Joshua seem to want the fight? Let's get this fight signed. I want to watch this fight. I, I want two of these fights in 2021 because you damn well know we're not getting Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. I don't know. I've been hearing different about that, you know. But uh, G-Funk says the WWF European Championship bout. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, let's see. Nado puts on the Lanier uh, L-I-I-T-R title. It's like, I don't, why, we should make one. Ring Magazine had a bout. Why shouldn't Leaving a Ring have a bout? You know? <laughs> you know what we should have? We should just have the YTBC bout. Why don't we give out a bout? Right? Pretty let's soon. You know, Dave, let's get you on there. Let's get uh, G-Funky. Let's get everybody on these panels. D-Style, Joe Habib. Let's just start our own sanctioning organization. We'll call it the YTBC, and we'll hand out a title. How about that? (laughs) Oh, well, I think we're on that road right now. Better watch out. YouTube is about to give out titles. That's what we're saying right now, you know? (laughs) I love what Nando says. I want the fight in Vegas, you big dossers. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about this, man. All right, guys, what would stand in the way? Here's my fear. Here's my fear about this fight not happening. Uh, and and it definitely, you got to think it's not going to happen until maybe summertime of uh, 2001 because we're still in a pandemic. And this fight, it, they're going to definitely look for a live gate because of the fact that they're going to be able to generate more money. And both fighters are going to ask for a lot of money. And I think that's why Spence and Crawford really haven't got into negotiations or a whole lot of talks because of that reason. Okay, But remember this. I've always said Bob Arum doesn't move forward unless he sees that it's it makes sense. The dollars make sense, okay? Right now, he's got the heavyweight that everybody is talking about and basically everybody wants. So you know the biggest share is going to go to his guy, which is Tyson Fury, okay? But let's just say, let's just say that that Anthony Joshua says, I don't want to do this next. I need one more fight. One more fight. Does he take on Usyk or does he try to go for something more safe? And let's think about this, guys. There's a lot of wild cards in the heavyweight division right now. 
Let me ask you, Milkar, and everybody in the chat room, if you want to call in, you certainly can, 917-426-8296. Let's talk some boxing here. Tell me, who should who should Anthony Joshua avoid if no Tyson Fury next? Joshua should avoid everyone except Tyson Fury because he is a very beatable heavyweight champion at the moment. So his next fight has got to be the big money fight against... Tyson Fury, right? If he loses, he gets the guaranteed rematch, right? From what I've heard, it's a 50-50 fight, two-fight deal, all right? Uh, That's the fight he needs because, uh, like I said, I think he's very beatable uh, right now. Um, You know, we we saw him knock out a 39-year-old on old legs, an inactive guy that has zero inside game and who went the distance with Rydell Booker, all right? Um, He's got to take on Fury. What up, D-Sal? Well, I mean, yeah, he's got to take him, take him, take him on. But you know what? I mean, this is boxing. We all know that there's never, never really, honestly, a follow through that has to happen. You know what I mean? There's nobody that really mandates you to to actually take these fights on. Anthony Joshua could say, "I'm not ready for him. I need one more fight." What I'm asking you is who should he avoid? Who's the guy that he should just say no to if they bring up? I think, honestly, uh, Alexandra Usyk is the guy that he shouldn't even talk about fighting because Usyk has a very big chance of beating him, you know, because he's not going to be like pull up. He's not going to be there to be, you know, to stand in front of him so he can tee off. Um, He will probably nummify that jab. He'll capitalize on that jab that drops back down to his hip. But give me some other names who he should avoid. Um, Excuse me. I mean, you could look up and down the heavyweight division. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that can punch. The thing is, I don't really see it as much as him having to avoid too many guys because, uh, unfortunately for these other guys, they're really not in a position to 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 get a fight with AJ. Whether it's a uh, you know an Andy Ruiz Jr. was Pulov in a position to get a fight with AJ? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, only because, Dave, of the messed up fucking sanctioning bodies and the fact that he was ranked number one. Um, you know, I, I I, don't know. We'll, 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 we'll have to have kind of a look at, at the heavyweight rankings. But, mm-hmm. like, off the top of my head, you know, you've got guys like Joe Joyce. You've got guys like uh, Usyk, obviously. Wilder, you know, Luis Ortiz. You've got Andy Ruiz. You've got Dillian White. You've got Joseph Parker. None of these people really are, are in a position to get a fight with AJ at the moment other than Usyk. So that's the guy he's got to avoid. I agree with you. He's got to avoid Usyk. Um, none of the other people are re- are really in a position to get a fight with with uh, with uh, Joshua at the moment. Having said that, I'm really looking forward to Joseph Parker against, against Junior Fa. I think the winner of that fight is going to make a claim as to kind of be next on line. After the the the, you know the the ground clears following this unification fight. Well, let's remember this. Nato brings out a good point here. Fury has only been dominant once in a championship fight. Let's not forget that. I mean, here's another guy too. Who? I mean, uh, does he really want? Does Tyson Fury really want to face anybody else? I mean, I, I, if anybody out of the two, we both know he's the one's gonna go. He's the one that wants to push it. He's the one that's actually showing more interest in fighting AJ uh, because he sees the flaws there. But yeah, shouldn't he avoid certain folks too? I mean, why why put more wear and miles on your body if one of the biggest fights in history right now is right there at the grasp of your hands? 
I mean, the only reason I'd do it if if I was uh, if I was uh, Fury, and this is just me kind of relating to him on on the, the the benefits of exercise and kind of your in terms of your mental health and your like feel, feeling well and like being active and all of those other things. You know, Tyson Fury has said that he needs to be active, he needs to be competing, he needs to be exercising, he needs to be training um, to be healthy. So right. uh, I think that was a big reason why he wanted his December fight. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. I don't know if that was as much to do with Deontay Wilder and his claims uh, through arbitration or pending claims, or there had more to do with the fact that ESPN probably didn't want to pay him his guaranteed minimum of, I believe, 25 to $30 million a fight, a fight in a studio in England against a guy that really nobody cares about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, it, I, if you're Fury, I mean, you look up and down the heavyweight rankings. I mean, he's just schooling and dominating almost everybody on there. Um, you know, I, I can bring it up in in a moment, but uh, I'm I'm just thinking off the top of my head, and of all of the guys that I've already mentioned, I don't really see any of them really troubling Fury. I think if Fury stays healthy, he's going to reign over this division for the at least the next three four years. I think it's fair to say though that Fury has kind of fallen off mentally if he's not intrigued by the fight. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, after the first fight with Deontay Wilder, when they got the draw, he was taking on some guys that he should have really been able to kind of dominate and makes look silly. Uh, he was getting touched a lot. We got cut. He had a nasty cut. So he does show that if if the fight doesn't have the interest that he's looking for to the challenge, he does tend to fall to what those guys are doing and make it a little a little bit more competitive than the what we should have saw. Okay, but let's move away from that. Okay, on that same day, same night, you had on ESPN, you had uh, the young Shakur Stevenson who got in with his opponent, which at best is known as a very good club fighter, and really we just got. What we, what I expected, and what I've said that was going to happen, um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think I watched maybe seven rounds, and then I sent out a tweet saying, "Okay, guys, I saw exactly what I thought I was going to see, and I'm heading off to bed." That's what I did. What did you do, Amilcar? Did you watch the, the Did you watch the whole main event all the way through? I lasted two rounds, and then I got knocked out, uh, not by Stevenson's power, uh, but more through just a combination of the fight starting so fucking late because of the college football game, which I got to admit was pretty exciting at the end with the whole field goal back and forth thing. But it's like ESPN, just put the fight on ESPN plus already or, or put it on ESPN two or, or put the college football on ESPN. You figure it out. You got Hector Belanga over there warming up backstage for like an hour and a half while we're waiting dozing off here on the east coast because of how late the fight is you know luckily i was kind of brought to life by by the the co-feature and how exciting that fight was and i'm i'm talking about the nakatani verdejo fight but by the time that was done bro i lasted like two rounds and i just got ko'd i was knocked out and honestly from what i saw in the highlights to me it looks like Rounds three through 12 were pretty much just a repeat of rounds one and two. Uh, <laughs> it did. It really did. Uh, it was like Groundhog Day for uh, Toka. <laughs> it was Groundhog yeah. Day for Toka every time he went out there. Now, Troy Williams, Shakur looked good. 
He put on a clinic. Yeah, you know, he did. Uh, there's not taking anything away from that, Troy. Um, I, I knew that he was going to do that. Um, I don't think there's anything to take away from Shakur of how good he is, okay? Uh, the thing is, like, on the same night, on Showtime, you had uh, Chris uh, Colbert. He went out there, and he was in a much better fight, more competitive fight. Uh, and I, if, if you had to look at both guys... Which one would you, if, if, if again, if they headline again at the same time, which one would you, if they were being aired at the same time, which one would you, what would be more of your preference to watch? Would it be Stevenson or Colbert? How about you, Wilcar? Uh, in terms of excitement, I guess I'd go with Colbert. In terms of, you know, meaningful fighter within the division, I guess I'd go with Stevenson. I mean, for what it's worth, he is a very talented guy who's a top dog in the 130-pound division and who I'd like to see. Uh, I would just like to see him in against better competition. Uh, that could be Miguel Burchelt. That could be Oscar Valdez. That could be a Rene Alvarado. That could be Leo Santa Cruz. It could be Joseph Diaz. It could be Jamel Herring. It could be... You know, any number of guys. Just well, not here's, what we Saturday. Let's, just let's, not that. Let's, 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 go, let's backtrack here a bit because Stevenson has already said uh, Michael Burchett. My, uh, he's mentioned, uh, uh, you know, uh, Diaz. He's He mentioned all these guys, okay? But the one right. that he's bringing up is is uh, uh, Carl Frappman, which I don't understand not why. A, that fight doesn't make a, any sense to me. Um and also, I mean, Devin Haney's out there. Uh, you know, Gervonta Davis is out there. You know, how much longer is he going to stay at 130? Is he going to make the jump to 135? And if he isn't, why is he not bringing up Chris Colbert's name? You know, that fight there would be really in, far more interesting than the guys that he's been facing, uh, being up against as well. Now, is Chris Colbert to you the next guy that Showtime was pushing as saying that could be possibly the next star in boxing? Is that believable? Also, is uh, Shakur Stevenson on your pound-for-pound pound list the way Timothy Bradley had been parading oh, around on his commentary on the ESPN Saturday? Is he pound-for-pound? Pound? Did he make it there? Is he top five of your pound-for-pound pound list? This Amilcar, come on, tell me. 100. Give it to me. <laughs> I've, I've, I've met Tim Bradley. You know, I, I like Tim Bradley for what he was as a fighter. I always thought he was exciting despite the fact that he kind of lacked the punching power you know, that would be associated with kind of an exciting fighter. I've met him. Very nice guy. I actually like his commentary a lot. I think it's very entertaining. Same here. I, I'm not one of the people that agrees that he ripped off Teddy Atlas. I mean. Oh, he did. If, if, <laughs> we're going to have to do he another did. episode that's like not live where we discuss that and just upload it. Um, <laughs> Because Teddy's in his feelings about that one. Teddy's Teddy's got Teddy's got his his, his hand wraps in a bunch. Teddy's about, pissed off. Ted, let's be honest. Teddy Teddy's pissed off that Tim Bradley took his goddamn seat. Let's be honest, okay? The fireman got fired out of his seat. <laughs> but do I think that 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 he is right? No, it's like. Bro, you're like every time we take a step forward and I keep defending you and then I convince someone about how great you are as a commentator, you say something like that and it's like two steps backwards. Every how time about- every time I get out, he just brings what? me back in. <laughs> how the hell can you have this guy as one of the uh look, I don't even have him in the top 
three or four at 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 130 pounds. He's not even the radar for me to tell you the truth. He's got listen. Come on, bro. You got like Tevin Farmer. You got all kind of guys in this division I didn't even mention before. Right. You know, right. Uh, you know, look, JoJo Diaz is still around. Like, what has he done compared to JoJo Diaz? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, to say that this guy's quote unquote pound for pound, like, look, the only people I consider pound for pound are people who are like the number one person in their division. He's nowhere near the number one person at 130 pounds. So I don't know what Tevin was well, sorry. I don't know what, what Tim Bradley is talking about, really. I tell you what, because Chris Colbert is in that division and Chris is very fanboyant, okay? He's got an he's got a fan-friendly style. Even though in those mid-rounds he was clowning around too much, had his hands down there. And I did tweet out like somebody needs to tell Chris that. That doesn't excite fans, okay? When you're showboating, you know, if it's not like good showboating the way like Roy Jones would do, which he would showboat and then knock you down after he finished showboating, nobody's going to care about it, okay? We want what we tune in is to watch action, all right? Now, I got to say something about that real quick. Go ahead. All of the showboating that, that, that Jones said. Do you remember when Jock Calzaghe showboated on Roy Jones at the Garden? Oh, Sticking yeah. his face with his hand. He's out. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. That was great. You know, that was payback. That was payback for a lot of times that Roy Jones did it to other fighters that were lesser, lesser talented in here. Yeah, go ahead. But going back with that now, okay, the pushes that Showtime and PBC are going to try to push this kid Cobra, which I like. Now, Again, Steve, uh, uh, Shakur Stevenson, you can't deny his skills. His skills are there. You can even say that he's getting a little bit more stronger. His jab looks phenomenal uh, against Toka, but it's, like I said, at best, this guy was a really good club fighter. Um, I would like to see if if Stevenson, Stevenson's going to stay at 130 and he's not going to bring up uh, like Tevin Farmer, or, or maybe it's true. Maybe none of these guys want to fight him. You have a kid here that Showtime saying is going to be the next star at one thirty. That's the course they should be going for, and I think they should start, you know, probably talking about each other, attaching each other's, uh, uh, excuse me, names. Because um, I would love to see that fight. I think that's a very good explosive fight. I think that if anything, we want to see Shakur be pushed to a limit. Because let's be honest, he's been so dominant that in a lot of ways you could say it's like dominant but boring, right? Yeah, very boring is actually. I, you got to have the very in front of the boring. <laughs> I, I mean, when I'm falling asleep, and you know me, like I'm a huge. Obviously, I'm a huge fight fan. Like I watch, I watch paint dry. If 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 two fighters are <laughs> doing it, you know oh, what I mean. But even I have my limits, and bro, I was put to sleep on Saturday. I was, I was light. It was James lights out Tony for me. Like I, I woke up, it was like the sixth or eighth round. I'm like, I, I, I woke up. My lady was nearby. Like we decided just to go to bed. Cause we we're on the, on the sofa watching this fight. We both fell asleep. We did. Meanwhile, during the Verdejo Nakataki fight, Nakataki fight, we were all, all on the edge of our seats. Speaking about Nakataki fight, uh, Let's go into that fight there, okay, against Verdejo. 
what a great sensational fight for both men. Man. Okay, I got to give credit to where credit's due. You know, I've never been a big fan of Verdejo, Felix Verdejo, out of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, definitely showed that he had his goods and stuff. But when he came out bursting into the scene, I saw a lot of people jumping on that wagon, and I did not see it. I have to admit, if you've been a true Leaving the Ring fan for a long time, listener, you know that I've never been a fan. And you know what I used to call Verdejo fans, uh, uh, fanatics. I used to call them Pendejo fans, okay? Uh, because I just knew that this guy was not going to pass that Tito Trinidad mark that everybody was hoping that he would do. All right. Tito's a very high standard. If you know leaving the ring, you know that Tito's like one of my favorite fighters. Okay. Of all times. That's the guy right there. I, yeah. I mean, I, I've never had a chance to interview the guy, but trust me, that's one dude. I probably had me starstruck the way I had when I had Marvelous Marvin Hagler on the show. You know, I could barely even get. Uh, three words out without stuttering while I was talking to Great Marvelous, okay? It'd be the same with Tito Trinidad, all right? But, but, Verdejo impressed me with this loss. He did impress me there, Amilcar. He went out there and he showed something that a lot of us were asking for, which was guts, which was, you know what, coming, you know, getting hurt and keep going through. But was it the right strategy? Didn't it seem like he needed to get his foot off the gas just a little bit and maybe go back to the born Verdejo? Instead, he keep pressuring forward. Instead, he tried to make something, he tried to make something out of something because he saw that it was kind of easy, easy for him. Every time he, t- he, he uh, shot off a fast pitch, it landed in the mitt. Of Nakatani. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, um, Nakatani. Nakatani's face, right? So I, a lot of times when you see that, I've seen this. We, we know this. That spell, when a fighter sees that, hey, you know what? I can land these big shots. I'm going to keep doing it. They fall in love with it, and they forget about everything else. They forget that the other guy has two set of arms. And it looked like that not only did Nakatani's chin uh, was holding up, but, man, you want to be? Do you want to talk about being persistent? This guy just keeps coming forward and forward and forward nonstop, man. He just didn't want to let up on Verdejo that I started seeing in those mid-rounds. His legs started looking a little bit more wobbly. He started slowing down, and those punches were being really effective. But here's another thing about Nakatani's style not only was he coming forward he's a pressure fighter but dude you gotta admit he has a hell of a good jab bro he has a great jab and this motherfucker is a tough cookie oh I yes mean, he is we talked about it before before i think the problem with verdejo it was actually the fact that he hurt him early on the way he did and for the rest of the fight he's he just loaded up on all of his punches you know yeah. um there wasn't a lot of variety in the shots because I felt Verdejo thought that he could literally touch him at any time and end the fight, and that just wasn't the case. Um, look, just as you said, David, you know, I'll say this uh, here on, on the air. It's something that I was saying to you before the show. You know, I've got a lot of respect for Steve Kim. You know, I'm a huge fan of his, his writing, right. his podcast work. There are very... <laughs> times when I've ever disagreed with him on, on, on uh, about boxing. Well, there were a couple times, but they're, 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 they're not that many. The major one over the last few years, back when you were doing the show uh, that he had on this network, um, was the the kind of anointing of Felix Verdejo as the next Trinidad. I, I never agreed with that. Um, I didn't see it personally. Uh, I saw it in terms of maybe the charisma and the aura that he projected and the love that the Puerto Ricans had for him. Mm-hmm. But in the ring, 
there was just no Tito there. There just wasn't. I mean, Tito's a guy who who won his first title at the age of 20. Right. right? Um, Tito is is a boxing god. There, there's I, I don't just throw that term around lightly. He he is a boxing god, Tito Trinidad. It's unfortunate that, you know, he had the later fights like with Rink, Winky Wright and with Roy Jones and stuff. Um, but Tito before the Hopkins fight, that was a bad dude. Okay, that that's that was a great great welterweight, a junior middleweight, uh, a middleweight fighter. Now, the problem I saw with, with uh, Verdejo was the love of his power early on and the kind of false security he got from the early knockdown. But then what I saw from uh, Mayoshi uh, Nakatani uh, mm-hmm. out of Kintai University, six foot tall, a uh, lightweight, um, tough as nails was his belief in his plan. You you know, we often talk about guys that need plan Bs and plan Cs. Nakatani had a plan A, and he stuck to it. He didn't care what was going on. He stuck to it. He believed in it. He he kept pressing forward. He kept with his one-two attack. And, dude, he proved himself to be right because he... I I mean, he, he... Ended up literally destroying Verdejo by the end of the fight, despite being knocked down early on. So I was, I was very impressed uh, by what I saw by Nakatani. I think he needs a new trainer. I think he eats too many punches. I pr- I also think he should probably relocate to the United States for a little bit. Uh, I don't think a new and- trainer does anything for him. I'll tell you the truth. I mean, he's been fighting for a long time. Okay, too much of an old dog. He is thirty-one. Yeah. Okay, he's been a fighter for a very long time. He's not new to the scene. It's not like he just kind of arose and we, you know, you know, to us, to a lot of us Americans, uh, you know, yeah, he is kind of new to the scenes. But, you know, um, looking at. I'll tell you this. this. Devin Haney gets fucked up by Nakatani. I think Devin so Haney. too. Look, if Devin Haney had a struggle with goddamn Gumboa, Nakatami's gonna probably gonna walk through a lot of those punches. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of these guys at 135 pounds, whose names are are not Teofimo Lopez, and I mean even Teofimo got taken to the limits by this dude, right? Um, and, so, and and the Lomachenko fight only also proves how good Nakatani is in terms of what he was able to do in terms of pressing the action with Teo. That just aged well. Not, <laughs> yeah, there that there just a lot of guys, yeah, not named Teofimo Lopez that that I would consider a betting favorite at one thirty five against um, Nakatani. Okay, uh, Gervonta Davis is going to have a a hell of a lot of problems. With Nakatani. So that leaves the question here. Nakatani, does he deserve that rematch with Lopez? And honestly, right now, in the in, in the spot that Lopez is at, does he want that? Do you think he should take that fight on as a second as his uh, title defense? Or maybe wait for Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell? And then maybe down the road, uh, see if Nakatani is still around to take that fight. What do you think? You know, I, I I don't think Teo has much has, has much to gain from a Nakatani loss. He got the win. You know, he can move on from it and kind of look not look in the rearview mirror. Um, <clears throat> when I look when I look at the other names at one thirty five, okay, um, 
unless they have to fight Nakatani, you know, a six foot, 135 pounder who clearly has punching power, can clearly take a punch. And just as important as taking the punch, this is a guy that can recover from from literally knockout blows and come off the camera canvas and turn the course right. of the fight. Yeah. What he got hit with were knockout blows. Let's not get that twisted. Like those are blows that would have knocked out most dudes. Okay. Uh Solis, um, not Solis, uh what, the name of his trainer. Um Solis, Salas. right? Salas. Salas. Sorry, Salas. Ismail mm-hmm. Salas. Sorry, Ismail. Uh he has his kids sitting down on his punches in a way that he was not in the past. And mm-hmm. Nakatani took that, okay? Uh, Ryan Garcia, Linares, uh, Javier Fortuna, Robert Easter, uh, Lomachenko, you name the guys at 135, that's problems for them. Big problems. Um, as I, I also think of Fortuna's big problems for a lot of people at 135, and I've said that too. But Right. Um, Dude, there's a lot Those of st- there's a lot of deep. It's so deep in that division, you know. Such a deep, such a very, a deep division. Very deep division, and that's that's what goes down to Felix Verdejo. Listen, I thought it was a great fight. Obviously, you know he wasn't the better man of that night. I was impressed. You know, I've never been impressed with Felix Verdejo. But let me ask you guys: Does he retire after this this loss? Because this got to admit, he was taking a beating towards the end. He wasn't taking a beginning in the first half, uh, half of that fight. He looked strong, he looked sharp, and he was landing the bigger punches. And he hurt Nakatomi not once, but numerous times. Or does he continue on the fight? I say he continue on the fight here, guys. I think that he could still serve up a lot of guys. And in a lot of ways, he's by far a far more dangerous gatekeeper than Yorkis Gamboa. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the end of, I think definitively it's the end of Felix Verdejo as the heir apparent to Felix Trinidad. Okay, Look, I you said. Put, I think we can put that to bed. But, yes, <laughs> we could definitely. Or, we could, or, or, or let's, let's not, I, let, I don't even know if he's going to get to Kermit Sintron levels at this point. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but Kermit Sintron won titles. Okay. Right. Um, he may become a titleist, may, uh, but he still has the potential to be a high-level fighter and maybe a gatekeeper at, at, at 135. I do feel that his management totally dropped the ball, though, in taking this fight. I don't know what they were thinking. I think you, you they know. were thinking, you know what, if we beat Nakatomi convincingly, and that's what they saw, that's what Verdejo saw. He jumped all over it. You know, he dropped him, he hurt him, and he was like... Dollar signs here because I'm in top rank. Tilfimo is here. Tilfimo, Tilfimo needs another opponent. Uh, and, and, and with a great win, if I can knock this out, if I can knock out a guy that Tilfimo Lopez couldn't do and went 12 rounds with, it only puts me ahead of the line to get a title shot at Tilfimo Lopez. That's the truth there. Now, if you think that uh, Nakatomi can beat Devin Haney, Verdejo, you got to admit, Verdejo's dangerous. Against Devin Haney as well. And you're talking about he can't get a title. He could get that title from Devin Haney. Because even though Devin Haney is a big, big 135-pounder, like uh, D-Style uh, D was saying in the uh, in the chat room, uh, you got to admit, his punching power is not that convincing. His punching power really is about as... Is, is, it, it's a little bit more uh, convincing than Shakur Stevenson, but... It, 
to me, it's not convincing that it's going to stop every 135 pounder that he that's put in front of him. He's going to have to rely on his boxing skills, and I think Verdejo gives him a huge run for his money, and possibly even could probably edge and win over Devin Haney. Call me crazy, but I think it could happen. Familia, man, all you need to know about this one is how many times have we seen Gamboa get dropped? Yeah. A little couldn't bit. Couldn't even drop him. Medium <laughs> or a, lot. a little medium <laughs> or a lot. Okay, it's like when I was at the doctor, actually I was in the emergency room a few weeks ago with back pain. It was fucking terrible. But the doctors kept asking me, what, what's your pain level? Is it is it, you know, low, little, medium, a lot, a, a rated on a scale of one to ten? I mean, the amount of times I've seen Gamboa get knocked out, knocked down is like an eight, nine, or ten. How many times did, did Haney drop him? You know, I mean, look, the thing about this, Javante Davis had a had a tough time with Javante uh, Davis too. You know, and I gotta agree with uh, I gotta agree with uh, uh, Matthew Tom uh, Thompson here. He said he's still only twenty seven. Uh, plenty of time, plenty of time for us. Uh, to surprise us with the Madonna Ezek surgeons. I I that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't write off Felix Verdejo, okay? And Nato just put it down right now. I want to see Verdejo again for the first time ever. He did well against yeah, Nakatomi. Don't get look, let me just yeah. restate what I was saying before. This is not over for Verdejo. He may become a world champion. There's no doubt about that. He still has a future ahead of him. He's 27 years old. He is just no longer the heir apparent to Felix Trinidad, a guy that won his first title at 20 years old. I agree. Okay, Felix Verdejo is 27 with two losses, bad losses, knockout losses, okay, and has not won a title yet. So let's just stop comparing him to these other all-time great fighters from Puerto Rico. That's not who he is. No. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I have to agree with that, you know. Um, So I think that, I think, again, I think Verdejo is still a very much live, biting dog in this division, even though uh, Nakatani was was able to stop him in a great comeback fashion, fashionable way of what he did because he looked like he was on his way out and he looked like he was on his way to, if it went to distance, looked like he was on his way of losing a decision fight there. Right? Yeah, it did. Um, but you know what? You know, let's, let's come up with a name from him. He's like the Terminator. I'll be back. You know, he came up from the, from the knockout, right? You know what I mean? Like, it was like the flesh was leaving his head and all you saw was like the, the, the metal behind 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 the skins that the guys the guys really 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 tough and um you know i I was also impressed with his post-fight interview too and he had that that we were talking before the show about marco rubio and the dry mouth situation nakatani handled that one like a boss oh yeah he did uh can i just get some water please okay now what were you saying again yes you know Well, let's talk about is he monster or is he hype? You were big on him. I'm big on him. I think a lot of fight fans are big on him. Who are we talking about here, Milkar? Monster or hype? It's right there. Um, on, it's right there on the screen. Take a look. Who are we talking about here? Oh yes, my man from New York City, 
Edgar Belanga. Look, he is all truth right now, man. There's no hype about this kid at all. What he's doing is not easy to do. I mean, he is bossing people. He's hitting them on the gloves and making the glove go into the side of the skull and knocking people down. That's power. That definitely, definitely is scary power. power man. True power. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Raw Boxing TV says it's a bit of both. Bro, when you're knocking out 17 guys in a row, and when the last guy you knocked out uh, in the first round, Andre Ward is saying is not getting knocked down because this guy's tough as nails and is in training camps and lasting in training camps and is in training camps because he's tough. And you dispatch that dude in the first round? Hell yeah, I believe in your punching power, okay? I'm not saying he's unbeatable. I'm not saying he's not going to be taken out of the first round. But from what I've seen so far, dude's power is legit. Hell yeah. I think so too. I mean, let's. I think the question most fans now are having, 16, 16 KOs, um, 16 wins. And all, he's definitely on this streak here. Bob Arum saying that he hasn't seen a puncher like this since like, you know, uh, um, I forgot who he even mentioned. I think it was like Joe Frazier or something like that. Um, you know, uh, that was just demolishing guys and stuff. Now, now the bet's going to be is who can last two rounds with this guy because that's going to be an achievement there. You know, you imagine the fighter that can go two rounds with them is going to go, you know, in, down down the stretch, he's going to go like, hey, you see that guy, Edgar, knocking everybody? I, I went two rounds with him. I lasted two. I lasted six minutes with the guy before I got knocked out, okay? Dude, exciting, you know? And really, on all honesty, um, pure punching power, it's been a long time we have actually seen a guy that can actually punch through their opponent the way he's doing it, you know? Sure, he's I punching right laugh. through them. The last dude I saw doing this was was Edwin Valero, which, funny enough, they brought up in the telecast, okay? I mean, yeah. the, the guy is destroying people. And if I was his management, I'd get on the phone with Bob Arum. I'd tell me, look, book me for every top-ranked fight moving forward. I want to be on the undercard and line me up some tomato cans. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Let's I want to see him. I want to see what he does. I think anybody... 30 first-round knockouts. Let's go, David. Here you go. Uh, raw, dude, Raw Boxing TV says Chavez and Berlango. Dude, you must really hate Julio. <laughs> Berlango. Berlango. He really must hate that kid. Hate Julio Cesar, man. He would knock the ink out of that guy, okay? Chavez versus Berlango. Ooh, that's a good one. No way, that's not a good one, he, he, dude. I, I, I mean, mean he, <laughs> I know what, you're gonna get the little Mexicano killed. Forget about that. No way, man. <laughs> I said, if I'm Berlanga's management, you, you know, you said I'm, I'm playing promoter here right now, Dave. Oh, you we're know, playing promoter. Know, Is that what we're doing? Just drop that. Drop, do that drop if you have it. Nearby. All right, you 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 want to play promoter? Let's play promoter with Berlanga. Uh, uh, let's see. Where in the hell is my promoter? Where's my promoter at, man? I got too much shit here. Here we go. You guys. Let's play promoter. Well, there you go. Let's play promoter here, okay? If you had, if you had Edgar, would you, what would be, honestly, 
what would be the ideal fight for him to break out as a superstar right now? Next, I, I, I said it. Let's keep the let's keep the hype train going. He's still very young. Let's get the TV exposure going. I'm calling Bob Arum. I'm Berlanga's manager. All right. I'm Bob Arum, or I'm his promoter. I'm putting him on every single ESPN card moving forward for the next year. Line him up. So he just has to stay in shape. He's got to make 168 pounds. You start lining up the tomato cans, and yeah, uh, if they can if they can get Chavez in there, I doubt they would be able to. He'd be a good one, right? And then and then let's start building him up towards a title after that. Let's keep the first round knockout streak going. I don't even think they, honestly, as much as this is what I'm saying. It's crazy as Julio Chavez Jr. is. Okay, even with all the smoking and the Cheerios, eating Cheerios and his little tantarans and Speedos and stuff, I can honestly tell you that even if it went through his mind of fighting Berlanga, I think his dad would smack him in the back of the head and go, No mames, way! ¿Qué está pasando contigo, cabrón? Estás pendejo. I mean, we know you're pendejo. I know exactly his because his dad, senior, talks exactly the way my my late grandfather used to, you know, speak to us and stuff. You know, there was like no filter. He'd tell us straight up, you know, oh, you're so stupid. Why is why did you do that? That's Julio says Chavez Jr. that he'd be telling his son right now, thinking about fighting that guy. You know, uh, Nopales was saying Benavides Jr. That's a good fight. Benavides is only 23 years old. But you, you think know, that I think Benavides Jr. then would, would take that fight? What did Canelo call him? Rocky hmm. Fielding. Right? Who? You get you if you get a few guys like Rocky Fielding in there, you know? Oh God, he I kills him. I, I don't even think it goes I, 30 I, seconds. I think he might be able to do Rocky Fielding in a He would definitely well let me tell you, he would definitely rocky him into a field. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, guys, you guys want to play a promoter here? Call in, man. Tell you guys what you think, or just throw it up there in the chat room. 917-426-8296. Let's, talk, uh, let's play a promoter here on Leaving the Ring. Uh, who else, man? Who else is out there that you would put uh, Berlanga with? Uh, we, we, had a, uh, we had a call. We had a call come in here, but I friggin' missed it. I was, I was, I was having too much talking. fun. You were having too much yeah. fun playing uh, promoter. It, if area code 209 is still out there, um, call us back, 209. I think that's, that's Nando, I think. Ooh. Nando? Ooh, Nando. Right, uh, oh, dude, here's a here's a good one. If you're out there, call right back. We'll get you right on. I, I'm sorry. I wasn't watching my, my call-in screen. Here's a good one. Wildcard uh, Show podcast said David Lemieux. Oscar can make that happen. That would be a good fight for Berlanga, Berlango. I, I would yeah, want it. I, I would definitely... That, I don't think what that. About Curtis, what about Curtis times Stevens? Is he still fighting? Could we, we bring him out? I think. I think he's got a name. He's he's from the New York area. He can talk. Didn't he talk about putting Lemieux in a casket? I don't know how that went. What format? Like maybe he could talk about putting Berlang in a casket. A casket. I don't know, man. Berlang right now looks pretty scary. Um, you know, the only thing we don't know is what happens after that second round? What happens in the third or fourth round? What happens if you could take his punch or you can avoid those punches? Those are obviously the questions that everybody's having, but it's really fun to see right now what is evident of what the kid does bring in the ring, which is that punching power. There's no denying that this guy is a nightmare uh, in terms of 
putting some blows on somebody. I'm gonna. I'm. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna bring in a call right now. Uh, okay. It's area code area code five zero one. Um, let's bring let's bring let's bring him in. We got him right here. I'm I'm calling him in. Hello. Oh. Is leaving Hello? in the ring. Oh, what up? This is Nopal. Oh yeah, Nopal. We missed your call, man. I'm sorry. I was I was talking too much. Oh, it's all good, man. It's all what do you good. got for us, brother? What do you think? So, so we talk, still talking Berlanga? Yes. Yeah, we're still talking Berlanga. Yep. I don't get it. Why are you guys trying to line up all these bums, man? We're trying to get him to 30 and 0, baby. <laughs> you guys want to do a rewind of Triple G or what? <laughs> oh, man. Well, who do you, let me ask you. We're playing promoter here. What, okay, so if you're his promoter, what do you, who do you line him up with? Interim or what? With who? With who? I said at 31, just give him a vacant opportunity for some kind of vacant title. I mean, vacant interim title or what? I was thinking of more of an email title. <laughs> oh, email. That's a good one, man. But uh, well, there's a couple good fights. I mean, but I see, you know, that's a realistic way to look at it because that's exactly what Bob Arum's going to do. He's just going to line up these fights right now. And, you know, I think that if Berlanda goes for that type of situation, not that he has a choice, he's just going to do a disservice to his own career because he does have, like, 175 uh, amateur fights you know right. so the dude you know he started off you know with a good momentum already so why would he ruin it by taking these kind of fights i guess they they build up his profile or something but you know i think they're trying to make a they're gonna try to make a they're trying to make him into a, a case of superstardom you know what i mean i mean i think that's what they're trying to build them up and i think they're doing pretty good at it you know um but like you're saying right now, what are they going to do? Keep patting his record all the way with fighting guys that he obviously is going to blow out through. Pat him up, yeah. baby. Yeah, line him up. Line up them, uh, them uh, C-class or, I mean, E-class fighters. <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm thinking about the mainstream sports fan, right? The guy that watches e- ESPN. You you don't uh, care what the mainstream thinks of old car. Get out of here with this. <laughs> I'm a promoter, David. I'm a, I'm a promoter right Oh, now. that's right. That's right. We're playing promoter. Okay. I'm not a mill, a mill the, 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 the phys ed teacher with, with the podcast, <laughs> Dave Brenner. I'm, I'm the promoter. I'm that's right. Right? Let me live out the fantasy, Okay. Man. Go ahead. My bad. My bad. But Nopal hasn't even told us who would be the breakout fighter for for that for his fighter. Uh, uh, you know, if if he wants to get him out there, what would be your what would be your pick for him to get a breakthrough of showing showing you that he's the real deal? Uh, some somebody like uh, probably Rosado. I think that would be the perfect fight. You know, five Ooh. more uh, first Danny round. Danny Jacobs, Rosado. He doesn't yeah. like Rosado. Um, no, does, doesn't. They don't like each other. No, I'm saying you don't like Rosado. Clearly, no, I do. I I, I think that dude pretty cool but i don't you know you want to see him get knocked as, out in the first round though bro rosado nah i don't see him getting knocked out in the first round triple g wasn't able to do that the dude you know he scars a lot in his face so that's why they ended up stopping that fight but if you ask me that's you true. know i don't think triple g was gonna knock his ass out you know what i mean i got a new segment dave it's called let's play fanboy we, do, we gotta do that one another time <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. And I'll do the Berlanga segment. Because as high yeah, as Tim Yeah, you do, Brad- man. Because these Berlanga fans, they're, they're, they're getting pretty... Uh, they're getting pretty funny. Bro, no problem. I, li- I live in the South Bronx. Half my half my apartment building is is Berlanga fanboys. The ones that watch yeah, boxing. You, hey, you, uh, you, uh, you should see the arguments we get into with these guys. You know, they're they're like, oh no, Inouye's just cherry picking. You know, uh, Fury's just going for the easiest fight. Canelo's just, you know, he's, he's got all these uh, weight clauses on everybody, and then they turn around. Ah, but Berlanga, he's doing. You know, he, they, all of a sudden they're all very understanding and they understand all the politics when it comes to Barack. They're like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, you're uh, you're actually uh, talking shit about these legacy type fighters, you know, and with Berlanga, you're letting them do whatever, you know, like you got no expectations whatsoever. Ah, oh, no, keep letting them knock these dudes out. These dudes actually have good records, man. Nobody wants to fight Berlanga. Like, okay, I heard that with Triple G, man. Here we go again. Here we go again. Triple G. Well, you know. Maybe maybe we can get Berlanga an interim title and then have that count towards his (laughs) all-time record of title defenses. Yeah, that's Here's Nato puts down uh, Rosardo's perfect, but how about Jaime Morgia next? Ooh, I think Jaime's too small, though. Isn't he? Well, he's He's 160. He's 160. Yeah, he's 160. I mean, I he's a big dude, even for 160. He's not campaigning yet at once at 168. So uh, he's still at 160, but I still think he's a big guy for 160. I didn't hear a thing you said, bro. What'd you say? Oh, I I think he's doing the one pound catch weight type thing right uh, now. He's got the longer weight going. So nothing wrong with that, but you know, because it ain't for a title, but. You know that's what Chicano was has been telling us for weeks now. You know, I think we got our first candidate for leave it in the ring undisputed champion right now, Berlanga. Let's get that belt made up, Dave. <laughs> I need to get that belt made up and stuff. Uh, G Funky, G Funky, are we playing? Let's play fanboy now. <laughs> it sounds like it, G Funky. All right, hey Lopa, thanks for calling in, bro. I appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, All no right. problem. We'll be in touch, yeah, man. Milker. Yeah, no All problem, bro. Right. All right. And raw, raw boxing. Uh, Berlanga Ooh. needs... Oh, where'd it go? Uh, oh, Berlanga needs to wipe Canelo's name out of his head. Needs to get it out of there, Amilcar. Um, I think so. I mean, but you know what? Fighters need to attach themselves to who's popping at the moment and the time. So that's why he's doing it, you know? It's the game that needs to be played, and I think he's playing it very well. I'm calling for, I'm calling for Berlanga... Rocky Fielding. I want to see that fight. <laughs> not Boneta. Boneta. You want to say Boneta? <laughs> no. Berlanga. Boneta. That's what he said after his interview, man. <laughs> let's let's get Rocky Fielding out here. Let's, let's get him out. Let's get him out to the U.S. and give him a Berlanga fight. Oh man, he's gonna be fun. I gotta admit, he's gonna be fun to watch. And, and witness and see, uh, you know, what's next on the list. And it's going to really be who can last, who could really last with him, okay? But let's talk about the junior flyweight division, which is Jesse, who's also on the was also on the top rank Saturday card for the yeah. Shakur Stevenson main event, uh, was Jesse Bam Rodriguez. Hey, 
what do you think here? Um, guys, is he the real deal? Do you look? Do, do you possibly see maybe a mini star here in the junior flyweight division? Uh, it's difficult to tell. And um, the reason I want to say it's difficult to tell, as much as I like uh, Jesse Rodriguez and the camp he comes from, all right, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of the Garcia, the Garcia team. Let's be honest. Uh, Sal Juarez, I mean, the minute you saw him in the corner, you knew this dude had, like, got lost, like, tattooed all over his chest hair. Mm-hmm. It was really, really bad. Um, so you're not believing so, the power. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I'm a, mm. not, I'm a little ag- agnostic on this one because Sal Juarez is such a bad opponent. I mean, 25, 12, and 2. I mean, I just... I can't get excited off of a win like that. Not the way I got excited off of the Berlanga win. Just saying. You know, we just finished talking about him. So I think it's kind of still an open question. I want to see him face off against better top-level opposition, um, you know, at at the weight. I I just do not think that Sal Rodriguez was was, – sorry, Sal Juarez was – was enough of a of a of a test. Uh, I'll just. What do you think, Dave? I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think the way they're moving them is the right way to do it. Um, just like Berlongo, uh, uh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, are you going to move them up? Or are you trying to build them? Up? I think we got a caller. Are you trying to get them? Uh, Let me look. At you. you know, uh, build the audience. Uh, and I think right now the seed that needs that they're planning is that these guys are the future. They look good. And like everything that, that Bam is doing, though, goes to the body really good, goes to back to the head. Uh, he's got good ring generalship. Um, I, I think he's going to be a handful. But in all honesty, if they're looking to build him as a star and that's where they're going to go, uh, he's going to have to go to Japan and he's possibly going to have to move up, let's be honest, to flyweight because we have two Big stars in the flightweight division right now, and they're fighting against each other on New Year's Eve. So yeah, I those mean, are look, big the assignments there. Classes, the lower weight classes, all the meaningful money is in Japan. Yeah, uh, and by, by the lower weight classes, I'm not talking about featherweight and 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 even bantamweight. What I really mean is the super flyweight and the flyweight and the junior flyweight and the minimum uh, mini flyweight division, those are all, the big money in those divisions is, is in Japan. And by big money, obviously, you know, I'm not talking heavyweight money, but, but you know, solid paydays. Unfortunately, the people here in the United States just don't care about those divisions enough. And uh, where in places where they do care about it, whether it's the Philippines or Mexico, there just isn't the money um, for these fights that there is in Japan. So I definitely agree that he's got to go to Japan uh, to get these big fights. That That's essentially what Chocolatito did. And Chocolatito made a nice living for himself, signing with Tekken promotions and, and getting paydays uh, through, the, through that promotion and, and obviously living in, in uh, his homeland in Central America and Nicaragua. So um, I think and, that's what he's going to have to do. Yeah, and the guys that they're, they're at flyweight uh, waiting for him, even like Nato, uh, J.C. Martinez is at flyweight. 
Um, but the two other guys who are going to be facing each other, by far one of the best fights at flyweight, and it yeah, looks like it looks like it might be fight of the year. Uh, you have uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Aika and uh, Tekana. I, I think that's how you pronounce the name. I could be totally botching their name and stuff like that. But I've watched yeah, well, them. That fight before we give out the end of the year award. So um Yeah, yeah. But I'm that's what I said possibly that could end up being yeah. like the you know, just the real icing on the cake for 2020. These two guys are gonna bring it. One guy's fifteen and fifteen. One guy's moved up or I think this is gonna be the fourth uh uh, uh weight I mean the third weight he's going up uh, and he's only got fifteen wins, you know, fifteen uh, KOs, and uh, yeah. and and you know what I mean. Everybody talks about Lomachenko, but this this other kid, Takana, is like, dude, he's a sensation, you know. So yeah. um, that's 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 what I'm looking at for Bam. Now it's too early to say for him to jump up at flyweight, but those are the guys that are potentially there waiting for him to get to break him into that superstardom at the flyweight division. Now we've always said this. I mean, well, not, I have never said this, but a lot of times. Folks are like, well, more money goes with the heavyweights or even like the middleweights and even the welterweights and stuff. It's really rare that you see a big flyweight, uh, uh, you know, event where they're going to make big bucks. Bam, being Mexican, could do that. Just the way that Carbajal did, you know, he broke into the million-dollar bracket. Bam could do that because of these other guys that are in the division at flyweight, which is the weight above the junior flyweight. So there's a lot of potential, but it's just really relying on top rank and, and, and top rank's team, the matchmaking, to move them up, to get them to that position. You know, And that's what I'm hoping for. They get them there because they're in really exciting fights in those lower weight divisions. Bro, and can you imagine if he moves up and then takes on Julio Cesar Martinez? That is a fight. You know, I'm not saying that that's going to yeah. happen uh, immediately, but if it were to happen, that is a fight. And look, these guys in these lower weight classes are action fighters. You know, um, moving forward, you know, Julio Cesar Martinez is probably going to be taking on McWilliams Arroyo from Puerto Rico, and that guy's a good fighter. Uh, the lower divisions are stacked. It's high time that people in the United States started giving a damn about it. Um, I'm hoping the ESPN starts to televise these fights, uh, even if it's on ESPN Plus, um, because the talent is there, the skill set is there, uh, and you know, true boxing fans appreciate the lower weight classes. Absolutely, we all appreciate every weight class. You know, I mean, I remember at one time I didn't care for the cruiserweight class until I started paying attention to it and started realizing, hey, man, there's some good fights. Now it's really stacked to the cruiserweight. Well, it's kind of dying now because everybody's leaving, you know, moving up. But I mean, it's still still worth mentioning and still watching, you know, worth watching and stuff. Flyweights right now, too. I mean, every way for flyweight, featherweight, going all the way up to lightweight, man, welterweight, you know, if you really think about it, every division right now. Every division, you know, is worth talking about. You could do the state of the game on every division. And trust me, you can have a ring robin with all the fighters that are in these divisions. I mean, 2021 is starting to look really sweet. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think that we're pretty much done with our quick takes here. Oh, no, we're not. Actually, we're not. I do want to talk about on the undercard as well. Uh, Clay Collard, he got on there, which is a very exciting fighter. Uh, talking about a club fighter, but he really captured captured everybody's imagination. Okay, the guy was going out there. He did. He stopped the prospect. Uh, you know, he's basically was the. 
the guy that was like a trump card that was, uh, you know, you, you bet against him. You thought he was going to lose because of his fighting style and really wasn't a recognizable name. But he was doing so much there that everybody started falling in love with this kid. We had him on leaving the ring. We were able to interview him. And you really think about it, he kind of had like a Rocky Rocky story, but as a sparring partner, like Spider, you know, from Rocky. You know, he was kind of like that. Um, but he lost. And we knew what we were getting. We knew the order that was being served to us by having, uh, you know, Clay uh, uh, Collard uh, uh, getting involved in boxing. Um, I'm just wondering, why is everybody so surprised? And why are we writing this kid off? You know what I mean? I mean, he was not going to be like Andre, uh, you know, Arturo Gatti or Mickey Ward or any of that. To me, he was more like a really poor, poor man's version of uh, Ricardo Mallorca. I brought that up to you, uh, a milk car off the air. Um, you did, you did. But why? Why are we so? Why are people so surprised that this kid lost? And why are we writing him off? I mean, I watched him because he was entertaining. He was fun, you know. And the fact that he was giving guys that he that guy he was giving guys that were that were supposedly supposed to beat him, giving them problems in winning these fights. It just made it that much more fun. But I knew eventually that when somebody with footwork, head movement, and with a jab, that was going to give him problems, and it was going to stop him in his tracks, and it was going to let him know that you can't be too, you can't be focused on two sports. You got to be focused on one sport. And I think that's what it was his downfall. But I knew the writing was on the wall. What'd you think about that? I agree with you hundred percent. And you know, the problem with boxing is that people believe that. People always have a puncher's chance and that there's really no skill involved and that if anyone just lands a punch, it can be over and anyone can really, you know, rise and reach Rocky uh, fandom, etc. Look, it's a sport. It requires skills. It requires experience, just like anyone else. Right. Yes, there are upsets. But it's not just something that anyone can enter on a part-time basis while doing something else. And yes, MMA is doing something else. It's not boxing, okay? Right. And see that, right? And this is a guy who was quite clearly saying all along, well, I don't know, maybe I like boxing, maybe I like NBA, uh, MMA, I can't choose between the two, or I might like MMA, I might like boxing. No, bro, you got to choose the way. Yeah, it can't be one. It can't be the other. This isn't a bathtub where you're putting your toe in and checking whether it's warm or not. You're either with boxing, you're either all in or you're all out. Okay, <laughs> boxing uh, you know, is a very jealous and selfish sport. I've said this a million, million times. Okay, she does not want to share you. And Clay Collard no. found out on Saturday night. She doesn't want to share you. You have to pick one or the other. Now. But I told you this uh, when we were talking about this. I said, this is the thing that blows my mind about uh, Clay Collard, uh, you know, uh, saying what he said. Okay, even he told us on Leader Ring. Remember that? He's like, well, I got a deal already set up for the new year going back to MMA, but I want to continue boxing. Well, that's a deal that just got you an L, bro. It got you an L. But, But here's the thing that blows my mind is that when he said that, I was thinking like, dude, you know how many people play the lottery and never hit it? You actually hit the lottery in boxing. Dude, you're fighting on ESPN. You're fighting on multiple times and people wanted to watch you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that tells, that leads me to believe there's two things there. One was that he was separating 
his time with both sports, okay, trying to learn, learn two crafts, excuse me, two crafts, and because the other one thing was because he didn't have the proper management. And a lot of times, guess what? These guys, the guys like this that are more known to be club right? they don't have managers. They actually have to kind of manage themselves. They have to get everything together. And even with the money that was coming in for Clay, I'm probably thinking that's what probably happened. Didn't have somebody to really sit him down and say, listen, dude, you actually dug up by accident a gold nugget. We need to be smart about this, okay? He fought six times this year. That's kind of unheard of. You know what I mean? You imagine if he would have just kind of hanged back and said, no, let me practice my footwork. Let me do, do a little. I had told the member on Leaving Ring, don't do too much. Don't change too much. Okay? Because what you're doing, it's working. But there should have been a little bit of play of matchmaking on his end. Okay? Because it was a little too early and too soon for him to go up against a boxer in the same year when he was becoming kind of like of a underdog club fighter sensation in boxing. Right? Yeah, I agree. And look, Raw Boxing TV, you know, he hits the nail right on the head. He says boxing fans need to be re-educated on the sport. Yes. You know, look, you've got different levels of boxing fans. You know, you've got guys like us, David, who have, you know, had some experience as amateurs and as trainers, you know, and who who, who kind of know how difficult boxing is and how much thinking is required in every second of every round of sparring and the fighting and you have people who watch the sport and think that yeah you throw a punch you land it and anybody can be heavyweight champion of the world that's not how it works so you got a guy here who i guess a lot of people thought was going to be the next mickey ward or arturo gotti who was going to win fights on guts and grit and it just doesn't work like that no so i was telling you before the before the tell the before our broadcast tonight <laughs> I always saw Clay Collard as a guy that was going to be able to test prospects, right, on something that is very important, which is the gut check, the, the chin check, the heart check, any of those three tests to determine whether they can get to the next level. I didn't realistically see Clay Collard as someone who was going to be a world champion fighter. Now, if people thought that he was going to be a world champion fighter and are now a little bit disappointed, well, you know, I'm sorry for those people. Hmm. But that is not how I saw Clay Collard. I saw him as a very competitive guy that was tough as nails, who would bring out the best in an opponent and would likely become a gatekeeper type fighter at, at, at his top level. You know, you can talk about how you saw him, David, but that's how kind of I saw him. Right. So, no, I'm not surprised to see that he lost. No, I was not surprised, but also was not part of the team of saying, I want to see him lose or eventually he's going to lose. I actually was kind of like soaking in what he brought. OK, but I'll yeah. tell you, he's 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 at, at 168. Hey, he could take a punch. He comes forward and he's fearless. Who would you want him to fight, fight next? If, if, if everything is done and he's looking for a big payday to run out into the sunset and top rank needs an opponent for right now, their monster hitter, Belango, Belanga, Belanga, why not put him in there with that? Would you want to watch that? I would want to watch that. Yeah, I mean, he'd have to kind of jump up and wait just slightly, right? I think. No, um, he's, at, he's 168 as well. 
You know? Yeah. He he, yeah, he yeah. fluctuates he fluctuates from one sixty eight to one seventy five. Well then there you go. Um that's a good test because we know that he's tough, you know. We know that he's tough. Um Berlanga hits so hard, man. We got to start this whole... The caller, though, and, I mean, he's got a good chin. Uh, we've seen chin. it, and he comes forward. You're, you're being a very good matchmaker right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's listen. Doing the matchmaking, is it uh, Bruce Champler, I think is his name? Oh, yeah, Bruce Champler from Top Rank. All right, well, we uh, can get Dave Duenas replacing him because that's a very good fight, Don Duenas. That's I'm a very telling good you, fight right now. Be, and, and it's best fight. because, you know, Collard is, honestly, I mean, it could have died out, but I don't think it does. I got to tell you, I'd like to see the kid back. But if I'm going to end up, you know, just using him up and spitting him out already, why not? For a kid that I'm trying to build up as a star. But let's get to the weekend fights that are coming up, starting with the... Uh, Believe Friday. Uh, I want to pull up that fight schedule there. Milkar? The list right here. I've got the list right here. Um, if you want to go through it, uh, Dave. But yeah, let's go. Uh, you know, th- this weekend we've got the obviously the uh, Triple G uh, Zerometa fight um, that that most fans are looking forward to on Friday. Apparently, Triple G says he doesn't know much about this opponent as he's been relying on Jonathan Banks to do all the kind of the prep work for it. Um, Personally, I'm going to admit my bias here. I like to see underdogs win, and I'm hoping to see uh, Zerometa win on Friday night. Uh, what about you, Dave? Um, I want to see. I mean, I think that Triple G is going to, you know, put in a lot of rounds. I don't, I, you know, I possibly is going to stop him uh, in those later rounds. But I, I think that we're going to end up hearing what we normally hear when Triple G gets hit a lot is that he looks old. Uh, you know, when he fought Steve Rose, he looked old. When he fought, um, you know, uh, so-and-so, he looked old. Uh, you know, um, I think that we just need to accept. This is his fighting style. He rises through occasion to the level of Canelo. Because that's really, honestly, the only A-list guy that he's really got in there with. Or even with Danny Jacobs. Danny Jacobs gave him a big run for his money. So, I think this opponent is a keep him preserved. Like I've always said, it's, it's you know, you know what, let me tell you this. Anytime a casual fan goes, Dave, do you think boxing ever gets fixed? Do you think that, that, that you know, the fix is in, in boxing? I say, of, of course it is, but it's not, it's still very obvious, but it's not obvious to the, to the casual fan, okay? This guy is there as a fix for Triple G to move forward, to still keep him in the limelight or keep us in the, in the sights of boxing fans to remind us that he's still there lingering around the uh, 160 division, okay? That's what this fight's all about, all right? I'm curious to see how he looks. I'm also curious, is he moved on from Canelo, or is he still looking at his, or is his eyesight still looking for Canelo because he's got to move up to 168 if that's the, if that's what he's looking to do? Or are we going to hear on, on Friday night Charlo's name or Andrade's name or even Saunders' name? Are we going to hear any of that from Triple G? Or are we going to hear him still continue repeating Groundhog Day by Canelo? He, he only wants one fight, and it's Canelo. And I'm honestly done with Canelo Triple G. I've seen what I need to see. I know what's going to happen in the third fight. Canelo's going to win. Triple G's older, slower, and Canelo's already figured him out. 
I don't need to see a third fight. The zone did really bad business by signing him to this huge deal. And right. but that's their problem. You know, it is what it is. Uh but yeah, so we've got Zara Meta, um, you know, uh triple G on Friday. But I started with that. I shouldn't have actually, because that was kind of my North American bias over here. Mm-hmm. Actually, tomorrow, early in the morning, David, we've got Tim Zhu versus Boywin yes. Morgan from Australia. And like you, I'm a huge fan of Tim Zhu. You know, I'm a huge fan of his father. I use the word boxing god earlier in the podcast to describe my feelings of, uh, towards Felix Trinidad. I got to <laughs> tell you, I was a huge fan of Costa Zhu when I yes. was younger. Costa Zhu is a boxing god. This is his son. You know, I'm not saying it was immaculate birth and he's Jesus Christ, but I'm a big fan of Tim Zhu. How, how about you? I'm starting to get there. You know, I want to see more of t- uh, of Tim Zhu. Uh, I want to see, uh, you know, definitely be tested. I-, I think that keeping him active and what I've seen from him. Now, he definitely doesn't have the boxing god punching power that his dad brought. But I think he's very durable. I think he has good strength. I think he has good power. It's it's definitely power that's going to keep you humble. So I'm excited to see everything that he's doing next, man. Um, the only thing is, I don't even know what's... Is it going to be televised? Are they going to tell... I mean, are we going to be able to see it? Or? I'm actually Googling the shit right now because I want to know if this is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I don't think it is. Which is terrible because ESPN+, Plus should be putting up all of these kinds of fights. All of these kind of fights should be on ESPN Plus or DAZN. Yeah, or DAZN. Um, so it is what it is. I mean, we'll probably find the stream. I'm gonna get up early tomorrow to watch it. I, I like Tim Zhu. I'm a huge fan of his dad. I felt that he absolutely punished and destroyed Jeff Horn in the last fight. I was actually feeling quite sad for Jeff Horn. To be <laughs> Uh, I like Jeff fan. Horn. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel you. I like Jeff Horn. I like Jeff Horn, and, and Jeff Horn is also a fellow member of the teaching profession. So mm. I've got that uh, for part of the fraternity with him as well. And nobody likes to see a fellow teacher get 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 smashed like that in the ring, unless it's a fellow teacher that was undermining you and trying to look good in front of parents. But I digress. Um, on the <laughs> on the next on the next. Uh, list here i've got wilfredo mendez alex alexis diaz from the dominican republic honestly i don't really know much about that that fight Mm -hmm. apparently it's going to be streamed live on youtube so um which is on fight hub right it's going to be uh it's the is it part of the thompson card the three two one is that what we're talking about here i i i'm not sure if it is but i know it's gonna it says it's gonna be streamed by sean boxing S-H-A-U-N-B-O-X-I-N-G on hmm. on YouTube. So that's tomorrow night from the Dominican Republic. Oh, no, um, it's not. No, it's not. There's one on Friday, I believe. It's uh, with Fight You're probably thinking about the Fox Sports card, which is the uh, Emiatas Staniones. Uh, I'm guessing he's a Greek. He's Greek versus Yanner Gonzalez. And that's from the... Shrine Auditorium and Expo Hall in Los Angeles. That's on Fox Sports tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. So big up to Fox Sports for giving us some midweek boxing. Yes. Uh, then we have uh, Charles Conwell versus Madiar Akshkayev. And that's from the Wild Card Boxing Club in Hollywood, California. California which would You're- be on uh, Fight City. Okay. Yeah, Fight yes, City. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. That's our Fight City card. And then Thursday, we have a DAZN card for all of you who re-upped on your DAZN memberships like I did after canceling. Uh, you've got Francesco Pantera versus Devis Bochero, and that's going to be on DAZN on Thursday. So it's a stacked week of boxing, bro. It is. Because then we have the Friday card with Golovkin and Zarameta that we already described. And then I know you're excited about this one, my man. We've got Gilberto Ramirez against Alfonso Lopez, and that's on Fight TV pay-per-view from the Galveston Island Convention Center in Galveston, Texas. And that's happening on Friday as well. So that's kind of a co-pro uh, counter-programming event. Dave, I've got to get your opinion on, on Gilberto Ramirez, and you tell me what you think about what's going on with his career at the moment. I don't know what's going on with his career. I mean, they went free agent, him and Hunter. I see what they're doing. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say, to tell you the truth. I'm actually interested in seeing how he looks. That's on Fight TV, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got to... He, 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 that bad? I was... What is he? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's a good Stanford question. And right that's a big, big, big power behind you. That's power moves right there. You think? You, know, you got ESPN. You got Zanfer. You got Top Rank, and you're leaving them to go to fight on Fight TV pay per view from a convention center in Galveston, in Texas. That's I, what I'm I saying. Don't I, don't, I don't. I don't get it. I don't see what they're move. right. I mean, I think no. Well, let me t let me take that back. I think what they're yeah. trying to do is um, they're trying to cut out the middleman, build up their own base. They probably feel like they have their own base that's going to come out and pay for these mon for this money, and they possibly get a bigger fight down that line. That's the only thing I could think of, the only logic that I could see of why they would do that. And we'll see, we'll see what happens, you know. Or maybe Ramirez just doesn't doesn't want to face uh, tougher fights. Fighting Lopez is not a tougher fight. It could give him some good rounds. Lopez is a tough kid, but it's not going to be a fight where, you know, uh, he could possibly lose. He could. It's boxing, but I don't think that. I don't think that's the route they're going. I think this is just more of a control uh, control issue. I want to control my own career. Michael Hunter did that same thing. said, I want to control my, my own career, and that's where they're going with. Yep. I I, I got to agree. I got I to gotta agree with that. And, um... The very following night on Showtime, I think it's time for Millie, meaning me, to re-up my Showtime subscription. <laughs> uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez versus Raymar Gaballo. It's on Showtime, Mohegan Sun, uh, Saturday, December the 19th. Um, Counter-programming. Dude, I don't really understand all this counter-programming. It's like, why are you going head-to-head -head against Alvarez Callum Smith? But... I guess they're deciding to do that at Showtime. Uh, Espinosa. I'll tell you really why. Yeah, I, I'll tell ahead. you why. Some people don't have DAZN. Some people don't have Showtime. So they can counter, uh, you know, program each other because they know that there are some old heads that still won't use an app or download an app because they think it's more difficult or they believe in their mind still. Like, I don't want to watch it on my, on my phone. You know what this reminds me of? And I'm sorry if we've got any kids listening, but it's like whenever I'm going on a road trip and, you know, you're on the highway and you see like these advertisements or these like billboards for like these video porn, like uh, freaking um, uh, stores, like to get off the highway to go buy porn on DVD or whatever. It's like, dude, there's the Internet. Like who's who's going into these video stores in 2020? <laughs> 
You know what I mean? It's like every time I go on a road trip, I what did, he's like, where did that road come from? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you must have saw a lot of those signs on your trip uh, this this past weekend, man. What is that? that was out of left field. I was like, I was actually shaking my head, like, hey, you know what? He's right. <laughs> It's like who goes into a video store to to, 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 to buy or rent porn in 2020? I don't understand well, this. It's those same people, those same people that don't. Uh, well, I'm gonna say there's the same people that don't use. There are still people that don't use the internet, right? Okay, well there you go. So that 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 that's what it that's what it is, I guess. <laughs> I mean. So I guess that's the bot, the, the the group that the zone is going after because well the zone is I, smart. I mean, if you saw the article I sent to you and anybody out there, did you guys read that article? Sorry, where, not the zone. I meant Showtime. I meant Showtime. Right. The zone yeah. understands that, and they came out aggressive. And you know what? They they end up realizing that. And we talked about this on Leader Ring, and Fishinados talked about this. Was saying that eventually they're gonna have to try to. Uh, they're going to have to try to get in bed with a cable network because it's not going to be enough just for, you know, to push this, uh, uh, you know, this app deal. There's still a lot of people that don't that won't download it because they don't understand the, 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 the full format of what the app does that you could put it on Apple TV. You could put it on your, uh, uh, you know, Fire Stick. Uh, you know, if you got a smart TV, I mean, I still know people. Uh, my cousin, who I went to go visit like three weeks ago, uh, you know, I, I was like, hell, I could throw this fight that you want. He wanted to watch some particular fight. I go, oh, I could throw it on there. Uh, and then he's like, oh, I don't have a smart TV. And I'm like, damn, dog, we're in like, this is 2020. How could you not have a smart TV? You know? Seriously. But, you know. At I, least a smart TV, like a Roku stick or an Amazon Fire Stick or something. Right, and then, uh, and then, like I said, zone just put out, which uh, you know, on a cable network, saying seventy bucks for the Canelo and Smith fight, which would be considered like a pay per view, but it's really not because they're giving you four months uh, with that Canelo and Smith fight. Okay, that was part of the article that I read. Um, you read know, that too. you know, um, but anyways, let's get back to that schedule. Yeah, so um, then obviously we have the Canelo Alvarez fight uh, taking place Saturday, and that's the big one, all right, for the people who are willing to invest in some form of internet television, all right? And we've got uh, Canelo taking on Callum Smith, and Ooh. I mean, this is the big fight of the weekend. I mean, right. Callum Smith is a big, strong 168-pounder, he won the World Boxing Super Series. In my estimation, he's the number one 168-pounder in the world, okay? And Canelo's taking him on. Um, Canelo's not taking on Caleb Plant, all right? Uh, Canelo's not taking on, you know, any of the other uh, 168-pounders that are out there in, in, in boxing. He's taking on the top dog in 168-pound division. All right, uh, he's not shying away from from top level competition. He's not taking off on, on uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Although I don't know if Billy Joe would have been a much easier fight than this, uh, but he's 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 not shying away from a from from a, a, a strong test. I do feel that David Benavides would have also been a strong test, but I cannot complain about Callum Smith 
at all. And this is who he's taking on. So, well, I got I mean, Canelo in this fight, but it's I, I anticipate a good competitive fight. What about you, Dave? Well, here's the thing. David Benavides' name has been brought up. David Benavides doesn't have a title then, though. Not you anymore. Know, he, lost. he lost that title. Okay. Uh, BJ Saunders, I don't think BJ really wants to fight him unless he's getting like a shitload of money that he really doesn't deserve because... Um, you know, um, even call, though let's I, not call him BJ, it's that means other things. Billy Joe, <laughs> it's called, I'm gonna call him BJ because <laughs> his style blows. Okay, let's just submit. Okay, his style <laughs> blows. Anyways, uh, let me get back to what I was saying. Kellen Smith. I mean, I see some folks are like, ah, he's you know he's a bum, he's this, which I hate that word bum. Or you know what is this guy doing? I mean, this guy won the World Series of, of the, the World Super Series of Boxing. Okay, uh, the guys, the guy's notable, and and he has a title. And this is actually a good fight for Canelo, especially with the pandemic. We really didn't know if we we're ever going to see him back in the ring uh, this year. To tell you the truth, but he's back. I think this is a good test for him. Smith is tall. He's a, he's a he's a full fledged 168. It's not like he's being weight drained. He's not coming up from welterweight to meet Canelo here. He's coming up to really challenge him here. So I think this is a good good fight. I think it's going to be uh, uh, you know just to lead him on to other big things out there. Not to say that uh, David Benavides's name is not still available, but I think that you know what it's going to really get us to go okay can canelo is it going to go 12 rounds with a guy named smith that, that you know with smith or is it going to be a short knockout because see knockout sell fights and remember this like lennox lewis when when canelo was on hbo lennox lewis keep referring canelo as a power puncher and i used to puzzle me all the time like power but he's not a power puncher here with the zone, I see what they're doing. They're trying to, they're, instead of saying it out loud, they're trying to get KO reels, okay? And that would only bring more people to watch them, more people to tune in, okay? I still want to see them get in with Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant is a very difficult style. I think he's a far better fighter than Smith, but I know what I'm getting with Smith with Canelo stepping in the ring with them, which is a stay busy fight. You know, it's no shame of saying that. Triple G's getting that. Canelo's getting that. You're not trying to say, though, Dave, that this is a Rocky Fielding type fight. <laughs> uh, I think it really kind of boils down to what Canelo's going to do. Um, Canelo's not a killer, man. I mean, let's just be honest here. He's not a guy that tries to jump all over you. He's 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 very methodical. Um, he's a counterpuncher. He likes for you to come in. Smith might decide to use his height and his range and a jab. You know, and it may end up being dragged out to be kind of a boring fight. Let's remember this. Canelo didn't really go after Danny Jacobs. He was content just counterpunching him, counterpunching him the whole time. So who's to say that Canelo's not going to want to have rounds? Uh, but who's to say that Canelo's big shot to the body, which he throws very well, could break, break down Smith? Yeah, I mean, we saw what John Ryder was able to put on Callum Smith. He put a whoop ass on Callum Smith. He put a lot of leather on Callum Smith. So, um, I mean, I haven't seen that much leather on anybody's. Well, I was going to say anybody, but since the Raw DVD or back then it would have been stand-up special of Eddie Murphy. I mean, he put a lot of leather on Callum Smith. And um, it's that fight, actually, that's got me confident in 
his abilities being Canelo to to kind of win this fight convincingly. I do not think it's going to be a Rocky Fielding type fight. But <laughs> are you hundred though? <laughs> are you one thousand? Uh, I don't know if I'm hundred percent on this one, but uh, I was a hundred percent on when on the Rocky Fielding fight when when Canelo was taking him on. You know why um, I'm not convinced? I know Smith yeah. is a good fighter. He's a legit 168. Um, but the one thing that that I'm looking at is Canelo. I'm looking at his his body. I'm looking at really the inner anger he has that he he hasn't been able to fight this year more than once. Um, I think he's honestly. I think he wants to come out and make a statement. But like I said, he he's not one of those guys that seek and destroy. Okay, he's one of those guys that will systematically just break you down and go to that body. Smith is very tall. He's going to be vulnerable to that, you know, for the body part of him. And I think Canelo will capitalize on that. Okay, uh, but then it could go fall back into like the Danny Jacobs type of feel, you know, where Canelo was content. Just countering, slipping, making Danny look for him, okay, and uh, just you know jabbing him, outboxing him, picking his spots, and just peppering him up, and you know he could definitely make Smith look silly. To me, it really comes down to Smith of using his jab and using his height. He's going to have to really use that against Canelo, you know, and uh, and and I think if all honesty here, Amokar, the only guys that made uh, uh, you know uh, Canelo. Fight, hit a fight for a fight to get in there and try to mix it up is let's be honest Triple G uh, you know Erislandi and even Floyd Mayweather you when you make him the lead dancer he really doesn't know what to do he likes to step back he likes to wait for you and Smith may have to do that draw him in make him start first and then he counters off of that with those long arms okay and that height but it's to be seen yeah, I think that's definitely the strategy if you're Callum Smith. Use that jab, attack, uh and and try to get Canelo off the back um off off the uh off the back foot. Um I just don't I, it's diff, it's just difficult to see how this fight goes. I I just kind of see Canelo setting the pace, using the jab uh fainting going to the body breaking him down and when he's ready attacking for a kind of KO finish uh that's how I see it in my head I don't know if that's accurate or not I think if there's a stoppage it's it will come around the ninth or tenth and I think yeah. it would be uh it would be not a stoppage from a punch I think it would be a stoppage of accumulated punches from Canelo that the corner of Smith throw in the towel and wave it off. He doesn't come this out. Is, he retires on a stool. I agree. That, that That's what I see. Uh, but I can envision a, 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 an upset here. I mean, we're talking about two guys that have had very short training camps for these specific opponents. Uh, I understand they've both been in shape the entire uh, pandemic. Right been training but they haven't both been training for each other um this is this is essentially a four-week camp for two fighters and honestly i can't think of the last time i've heard of a fight where two guys have had such a short training camp for such a big fight so they've been training for so long i think like i said i think all that 
Tostro is just building up for both these guys, especially for, for Canelo, you know. Um, Troy asks, how's Smith's jab? Is it long enough to keep Canelo off his, he put ribs, but I think off his feet is what he was trying to say. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think Smith's jab is one of the A-class jabs that we've seen, but I think it's, it could keep you humble, but I've said this a million times, a jab, establishing a jab and keeping a stiff rod out there like that, <laughs> we're talking about that, those porn uh, billboards, you know, and I just said stiff rod, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> now you got where my mind is going, but, you know. Sorry, <laughs> man, but it's the same demographic. The guy that's right. dropping the go ramp porn at, at the video store is the same guy that can't figure out how to fucking get the zone. Uh, or, well, or he has <laughs> I think I think you're right, David. The the, the fighter that's going to be able to establish the pace mm-hmm. and and set the tone and tempo of the fight is going to be the one that that has the success. And, well, going back with that jab, though, um, yeah. let me let me finish. But what I was saying about that jab is a lot of folks don't understand to have a jab like that is something that Smith had been working on from the beginning of the year. You know, because it's really hard to just keep jabbing and jabbing and jabbing. Your shoulder ends up feeling like mush. Um, And it would also, if you don't have a prepared jab and conditioned jab, then you start dropping your jab. And he's going to really need that that left hand or whatever hand he's going to be using to to protect himself. Because Canelo, you got to admit, he knows how to zero down on your mistakes. And that's what Canelo likes to do. That's why he's a counterpuncher. He likes to sit back and watch what you do, you know, and then he likes to, like, fill in those pockets of what you left open for him to, you know, to go there and pit pocket you. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that. That's it, you know. Um, that's exactly it. Yeah. And, um... and Outlaw puts out there, these guys have been training for a while. Now, four and a half week notice won't affect, won't affect them. I agree. I don't think I don't think it affects them, but it definitely, definitely affects whoever doesn't come in and implicate their plan immediately. Okay. And I think personally, Canelo always goes in with the same plan, which is counter. You got to pull him out of that rhythm. You got to pull him out of that, that mindset. And how do you pull him? May, force him to be the aggressor. Force him to come forward, and then you can capitalize. So that's what I'm hoping to see from Smith. Are, were, did they watch a lot of tape of Canelo? Or, you know, did they see that when he when Canelo makes mistakes is when he comes forward because he's not very comfortable in doing it. And that's when you can use your jab. That's when you can be conservative with the jab. When a guy's coming forward, you stop him in his track. You jab out his face. Bam. Stop him in his tracks and stuff, you know. When Canelo wants to use that head bob, you know, using that head bob it, you know, Smith is tall enough to see him. To see the bottom of his head and he can pick him right up with an uppercut. That's what tall guys are supposed to do, you know? A tall guy is not supposed to allow the shorter guy, the stockier guy, to invade their space. But is he strong enough? That's my question. Is he strong enough to keep a bulky uh, strong? And even though he's a counterpuncher, Canelo, Canelo's got good footwork. He knows how to close that distance when it needs to be done. Maybe maybe Callum Smith should be watching a lot of Lennox Lewis, David Tua Friday, Friday night. You know, before he goes to bed, because you're right, he's got to be able to maintain that distance, use his height, and keep the shorter, stockier guy at bay. Um, 
That's will a diff, that's a tall that? order. That is a that's, tall, that's tall, a very tall. difficult task to do, you know. And Lennox Lewis is again. I'm going to revert to something I said early on in the in the podcast. Lennox Lewis is a boxing guard, so you know, Callum Smith not quite at that level yet, I, and I don't know if he ever will be, but we'll see. That's why we're going to watch this fight. That's why we re-upped on our DAZN subscriptions, right. Dave. And um, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, Outlaw Kovala has a better jab than Smith. And Canelo still got to him easy. Decision for Canelo. Uh, Wildcard put uh, uh, Kovala's jab was great. Busted up yard. That was the punch. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I said, you know, for Smith, for me to think, look, I'm giving you what I think he needs to do. Can he do it is another thing. And in all honesty, a jab is the easiest punch to throw because it's the first one you learn, but it's the hardest one to master. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but trust me. It makes a lot of sense. Um it makes a lot of sense. It's it's tough to master, and we only need to look back at what we were reviewing earlier in the podcast with Anthony Joshua, the unified right. heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, his jab is extremely flawed. The zone ain't dead yet. I agree with you, man. Everybody nah, was nah, putting nah. the nail in the coffin against the zone. Yeah, <laughs> we all to re up. You know, my lady loves that that show, uh, Snowfall. On FX, she's got me watching it with her every now and again, and it's like we got, you know, the zone's got that crack, you know, that boxing, and we all, us as boxing fans, we all need that fix. So mm-hmm. the zone's got the product; they just got to keep the fights coming, and we're always gonna subscribe and pay that money if the fights are good, right, Dave? Absolutely. So let's go down with your pick here with Canelo versus Smith. Who do you got? What do you think? Um, are you gonna be one hundred with it? I got Canelo. Can't say a hundred. Probably couldn't call it about ninety. <laughs> ninety five. I think ninety five's fair. So you got, got Canelo, Canelo by stoppage or by decision? What do you think, man? What do you? You're playing it out in your head. What do you? What do you? What do you think the conclusion is going to be with that fight between those two? <sighs> That's a tough one. Tough one. I just haven't seen. Callum Smith in with anybody like Canelo, so it's tough. I mean, it George is. Groves is not Canelo, you know? No. And, and John Ryder's not Canelo, and John Ryder took him to his limits. I can definitely see Canelo getting the stoppage. Will it happen? That's the question. That's why I'm not that's why I would never bet on a fight like this. I'm just going to go with Canelo by win. I, I don't know if it's going to be stoppage or not. I'm sorry, Dave. Sorry about that. I, no, I no, no. I, I, Again, I go, I'm looking at, and uh, thank you, Julio Diaz. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that, man. And welcome to the show. Glad you're tuning in and listening here. Um, like I said, I think the body shots, if Canelo, and he's one of the best in the business, if he's able to get in there, which I think he is, I think he's very quick. Uh, in his feet to close that distance. I think the countering, if Smith decides to try to jab, I think Canelo um, is going to take that away immediately. But I also believe that the footwork and the movement just in the upper part upper uh, uh, part of his body is going to confuse Smith, okay? Let's not forget, too, when you're throwing punches and you're missing them, Danny Jacobs can vouch for this. It tires you out and it discourages you, Okay. So I honestly see like three to four rounds 
of Smith trying to establish something. It's never happening. And Canelo's able to pepper him up. And I think slowly and little by little, because like I said, Canelo doesn't come out like a killer, but he can close that show if he sees that, you know what, it's a little, I don't have nothing to worry about that's going to come back at me. So I could see a stoppage. And like I said, I'm going for a ninth and 10th round stoppage. I was going for a decision, but after looking at everybody, what they're putting down here in the chat room and reading, um, I think the body shots are going to make a major, major toll on Smith. And I think strongly, possibly the corner may throw in the towel and say, okay, there's nothing we can do. We're not doing anything to this guy. We're not catching him. And I don't think we could turn this fight around. We know Canelo's got a, a tremendous, tremendous chin. So, um, I go by stoppage for Canelo. Mm -hmm. Arguably one of the best in the game. If anyone's out there, we've got a few people on the chat that want to call in. 917-426-8296. Sorry, 917-426-8296. Call us. Give us your prediction for the show. We've got a lot of people mentioning in the chat. Come chat with us on on, on the phone lines, man, and, and let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely, man. I'd like to hear your guys' uh Point. If not, throw in your uh, your prediction here on the chat room, and we'll we'll post it up here on the show, okay? And put you on record here on Leaving the Ring. Hey, just really quick, some announcements here. Uh, Hispanics causing panics should be on right now. If you missed the live show, don't worry about it. It'll be on the rotation on Leaving the Ring, as well as Ringside Reporter. Uh, they come out every Monday as well. We throw them up there on the rotation. If you don't have a pot, if you haven't got us on your uh, Pandora. Uh, let's say add us there too as well. We're always here on Monday. Just we weren't this Monday because Mokar was uh, traveling, so he wasn't around and available at that time. He was actually you were. You just were really tired, you know. So we decided yeah, to do it here on on Tuesday. So let's see. Uh, Jesus well, says Canelo by body shots wins by unanimous decision. Uh, let's go. You know, wild card put. Yep, lots of two, uh, uh, lots of uh, of fighters. This year have COVID ring rust. That's a strong possibility. That's going to be something there to find out as well. Even though you're in training camp, you know, let's be honest here. Uh, sparring has got to be an issue. You don't know whether or not these guys were getting the, the right amount of sparring, uh, you know, and also too, sparring is sparring. It's not actual fighting. That's what a lot of trainers would tell you. Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. Here goes with Troy. What are the odds for Smith by decision? Do you think it's worth betting twenty dollars smaller, smaller dollar amount uh, just to see what happens? Twenty bucks, I mean, obviously. Why not? Twenty bucks. Why not? Go yeah, 20. twenty bucks is a twelve pack right there. Seriously, go for it. You know what I mean? I don't see the problem. Um, what are the betting odds? You know? Do you know what the betting odds are for this fight here in Milcar? Uh, no, um, but I'll look them up real quick and, and, and see. I'm, I'm sure that uh, Outlaw Canelo... got Canelo by decision. So that's Outlaw right now. You're in the, you're on the record there, my friend. He said, Nato said, I'll be slurring next time. <laughs> next time for sure. Well, Thanks. Right now, right now, apparently Canelo's at a minus 550 and uh, Callum Smith is at a plus 450. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not super wide. I mean, I wouldn't. It's not wide. And it's, I think it'll probably get either wider or it's going to get really closer um, on yeah, Friday. I, I Friday. Usually what happens is with these fights is that money starts coming in on the underdog late and the, the odds kind of seem to narrow towards uh, as, as the fight uh, gets closer. 
Right. Um, and the so Brits, the Brits are going to come strong for his third fighter. You know that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So if you are thinking about betting on um, Smith, the earlier you do it in a week, the better odds you're going to get. And, and honestly, who, I, I, you know, if, if you if you're worried about losing twenty dollars, um, yeah, maybe you shouldn't really be betting right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go uh, ahead and put twenty bucks on the line, man. I I definitely it. gonna. I need mean, look. Fights are always more exciting when you're betting. You know, if I was a betting man, a gambling man, I would definitely do it. But I'm not. You know, I don't know I why. Don't know. I don't know why. I've never I've never been into like gambling and stuff. Um yeah, I just I've never been intrigued by it. Uh Matthew Thompson, gonna pick gonna put my pick in stone. I like Anello by later stoppage. Good. Thanks for uh for letting us know and uh I'll I'll take note of that and on Monday we'll we'll find we'll, out we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll 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 get back to you on that, man. Oh, really quick. Let me yeah. let me let me I wrote it. Hold on. Okay. Because, um, yes, let me. Okay. Really quick before we end the show here, because I think we're almost about up and all that. We're all talked out uh, what's been yeah. going on. Um, just to make a quick, quick uh, feedback here. Some fun folks hitting us up on the uh, Leaving the Ring Gmail. Um, hey, thanks for everybody that's tuning in to the uh, Leaving the Ring Roundtable. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks. To, uh, I'm happy that you guys are enjoying it. Um, so, um, some folks are asking where it's at. It's at the D style, uh, channel. So on YouTube, so go to D style channel, you'll find it there. Uh, what I'll do is I'll post a link here on leaving ring so you can witness it live. Also really quick. Um, people One asking, quick thing about show, Dave, go for it. Anyone who doesn't want to watch the full show. Cause not, obviously not everyone can watch the full show live. Mm-hmm. We do post the clips to the show, like the best parts, the best of here on the leaving in the ring channel. Oh, that's right. Brandon Lee, Jesus just put down. Brandon Lee um, is fighting on that Showtime card as, as well as Boots. So that should be really interesting. I hope he gets yeah. tested there, Jesus, to tell you the truth, man. You know? Same. You know? And uh, I think Wildcard just answered my my answer with Boots, uh, you know, uh, in his fight against his opponent. Okay, but here real quick. The other thing, too, is uh, get a lot of folks asking about apparel. Are we ever going to do it? Um, I'm actually, I, I, I did make some orders, but I'm going to try them out because I, I know that, my, especially with my hats, I like a certain look, you know? So I, as soon as I get those in, I'll wear it, and then you guys make a decision if you think we should just continue, like we could should continue to buy them, and then we could put them in stock, and then I can um, definitely um, send them out. Um, I don't think I'm going to, honestly, guys, I don't think I'm going to do like a living room store or anything like that or sell anything. Uh, I'm just very appreciative that guys tune in and, and listen to us. I think this is our way of paying you guys back and stuff. Either that or we, I, me and Mokar have been talking about maybe playing a game, uh, you know, like a Jeopardy type of deal. And, and we can give you guys a chance to call in and win, I don't know, some shirts and hats and stuff from uh, from Leaving the Ring. Um, two, about the, uh, uh, a lot of questions about the locker room app. So because I didn't have a set time. Um, I did sit down and spoke to the guys from Locker Room. If you don't know what that is yet, I've, I, I did put some videos up on the YouTube channel and stuff. It's like a 15-minute, you know, um, quick takes of what's going on in the sport. I get on there. But you can download it to your iPhone. Unfortunately, it's only for iPhone. I've seen some people asking, is it going to be on Android? It's not. They say they, they're not doing it yet. Maybe later in the future. I know. Come on, 
the room. Get uh, the Android out. <laughs> Most people are Android. Exactly. Um. So no. Um. So hopefully that that gets all like. Uh, um. Yeah. Troy goes for Gordito. You know. Come on, bro. I got your back right there. But don't, don't even worry about it. Of course. But um, going back about the shirts. He was talking about the shirt. But going back with the locker app. Download it. It is on your iPhone, and you can actually, uh, when you're listening to it, you can um, swipe to 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 ask to be on and on stage with me, and I could pull you in if you want to talk boxing or just throw your quick thoughts about what's going on or or the topic I'm talking about. So that's every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. And like I said, those are just really short takes, okay? I'm not going to be on there for like an hour or anything because I'm actually just doing it in between work. Anyways, uh, but other than that, man, um, that's all I wrote. I, we, again, I apologize if I don't answer you guys back and stuff, man. It's just my, my schedule is really crazy. It's really swamp and stuff. I am a blue-collar fella, fella just like you guys and stuff, you know. So, you know, I wish I got paid to do this, to talk boxing, but I don't. I don't and stuff, you know, so I still have to make a living um, the old traditional way, which is with my manos and stuff. Uh, again, everybody, I appreciate everybody that came through. Join us back again on Monday night here at 5 p.m. Pacific time and 8 p.m. Eastern time. If we didn't get to your questions here in the chat room, I apologize, but we'll definitely uh, get to it next week. If not, call in. We, you know, we're here. We're going to be here every Monday unless uh, something comes up, but more likely we'll be here Monday. Again, don't hit. Uh, don't forget, hit the like button. Hit the notification bell so you know when we go on live, man. Amilcar, any last words, brother? No, just thank you for everyone for listening in, especially for uh, those who call into our show and chop it up with us live. Enjoy the fights. Check out the Tim Zoo fight. Uh, if I do catch a stream, I'll try to send it out on 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 Twitter. I don't really give a fuck because at the end of the day, it should be on, <laughs> on, right? on Plus, And if it isn't, I'm going to share a stream, so... You know, uh, but yeah, thanks to all of our, our listeners. And I look forward to seeing everyone. I'll be on the round table Thursday uh, with D style and the rest of the leaving and ring family and invited guests. And I keep promising to post. I will post this weekend to the Amil Caribe uh, channel. Uh, either I probably won't do it after the fight because I don't want to uh, counter program my, my family like G funky. I'll probably jump on his thing. But I definitely will post on Sunday morning. Um, so anyone who's going to want to join me on that and talk boxing, I'll try to bring in a couple guys from the UK, a couple people from here in the East Coast. If you're there on the West Coast and get up like at 7 a.m., join us. Get your coffee ready. All right. And uh, yeah. join us on. And so always great. David, thank you. You the head guy. Leave it in the ring. Let's keep it moving. And Let's keep it um, moving, brother. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Yeah. And remember, oh, yeah, too, real quick, because uh, some folks like, hey, in the beginning of the year, you said you're going to bring me some other shows. I'm still doing it. I'm actually um, working on another show that we're going to add to Leaving the Ring. I think you guys are going to really like it. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun and stuff. So just keep an eye out for that. Um, it should be up by the end of uh, December before the new year starts and stuff. Again, guys, don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. This is your boy Dave Duenas signing out here with uh, my partner, Milkar, And uh, we will definitely get back on here and chop it up with you guys and stuff. Man, hey, I got to find my music here, man. Where's my stuff at here? I don't know. Anyways, you guys stay, you guys stay safe, man. All right, take care, everyone.
gentlemen, damas y caballeros, 